worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go here with another Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. A beautiful day in downtown Regina and we're excited about it. Rider season right around the corner. We know that because of the weather and... The CFL draft tomorrow, which we will have covered in its entirety. The Canadian college part. The globals also tomorrow. No disrespect, but we're focusing down on the Canadian college draft. First time that the draft has been covered on radio in its entirety from start to finish. Some people might stream, but we are going to be doing it on the radio airwaves. You can get it anywhere from 6 until probably 9 when it's done. We'll have a whole bunch of guests here. We'll be coming to you live from the uh, 620 CKRM uh, Harvard Lounge there at Mosaic Stadium where we usually do our pre- and post-game shows. We'll be off to the side. They're having a draft party for select um, season ticket holders. I'm not sure how they were selected, but that's how it is uh, going down, and we will be a part of it and very happy to be a part of it. Your voice of Rough Rider football and CFL football. I'm Michael Ball along with my sidekick, Blaine Wyland, fresh off his trip from Toronto. We'll talk about that as the show goes along. But he's also a Calgary Flames fan, and Daryl Sutter was fired today. So Daryl Sutter was the coach of the year last year, the Jack Adams <laughs> Trophy winner is coach of the year. And then... Uh, Tree Living makes all these deals that everybody thought, okay, they got weaker, they got a Huberto. They're actually a better team than they were last year, but they didn't uh, live up to expectations. They missed the playoffs, and he gets fired. What do you think about that? I'm surprised this happened before the new general manager was named, but it also could be a situation where maybe they had conversations with potential candidates, then the ones expected already would be like Craig Conroy, Brad Pascal, and maybe they got a sense that, you know, they were would be looking to make a change at coach, and maybe there's a situation where the GM, whoever it is, doesn't have to make that move. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that Murray Edwards, the owner, was willing to let go of Daryl Sutter with two years left on his contract. He's notorious for uh, not being... um, His wallet creaks. Yeah. So anyway, uh, as a Flames fan, those are good comments. But let's hear from uh, the guy who is in charge of making this move, the Flames president of hockey operations, Don Maloney. I, uh, I interviewed 35 or 25 players, coaches, coaching staff, training staff. Spoke to prominent agents for um, who represent key players on our team, and uh, it became clear to me that we needed a new voice. Could you elaborate a little more? We, we've kind of heard bits and pieces of what might have been said in those interviews, and apparently some of them took over an hour long. Like, what, what did the players tell you that maybe not forced your hand, but that this was the right call? Well, it certainly didn't force our hands. I mean, everybody has their opinion. I, and again, I think it's today's player, too. You know, 10 years and 20 years ago, you they wouldn't say boo generally. But now the players of today, they, they want a voice, they have a voice, and you have to listen to that voice. Now, 
you don't want to make it the inmates are running the, uh, uh, the, the asylum, so to speak, but uh, um, they had some real, real uh, observations and how we should, how we need to, uh, um, how in their minds, how we should move forward. And uh, again, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but uh, it was just one piece of the, the puzzle. So that's uh, Maloney, Don Maloney, talking about uh, making the move. Um, today's athlete is soft as puppy poo in a lot of cases, so they whine and they cry. Let's be honest. Hubert Dahl was a pouting right from the time he came to Calgary. As Peter Lubardi has said on this uh, these airwaves, he didn't really get over being quote-unquote fired by Florida. And then you come and you've got a hard-ass coach like Daryl Sutter. Now, I'm not in the locker room, and if there's where there's smoke, there's fire. So if there's like if there truly are 25 people that are upset, then you got to make a change. So I'm not saying it was a bad change, but you know, like in Winnipeg, they got the same situation, but they said, in some respects, without knowing the characters involved, but Winnipeg, they should have blown it up going into this year. They're keeping bonus around, their coach Rick Bonus. There will be changes in Winnipeg. It'll be interesting to see who's the GM and what coach he brings in here. Yeah, and you know, I I really think for the Flames, I really think Mitch Love has to be a top candidate, especially looking at success with uh, the Wranglers right now in the AHL, their farm team and the players are bringing it up. You know, a situation where you can bring the head coach from the AHL team up. I I really thought that if Sutter was going to come back, that they'd try to get Love as an assistant coach to get him up at, with the big league club, kind of a, maybe an apprentice of short of sorts. Mm. He, he Maybe even elsewhere he might you know, get you know interviews. Like yeah. the way he's doing, the job he's doing right now with the Wranglers, I think he's uh, worthy of getting uh, consideration. Upset Sunday in the NHL, man. Uh, Philip Grubauer comes back to bite his old team in the butt. Shouldn't be any surprise. First time the Seattle Seahawks had a playoff game, they won it. First ever playoff series for the Mariners, they won it. Supersonics in 1975, first ever playoff series, they won it. And the crack in their first ever playoff series, they win it. Grubauer stands on his head, and the Seattle Kraken are off to round number two where they're going to face Dallas. So Colorado's out and Boston, the second biggest upset in NHL playoff history. The biggest in terms of point differential was 82 when the Kings were 48 back of the Oilers. Remember Miracle on Manchester? Five mm-hmm. goals in one period beat the Oilers in the best of five. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Florida Panthers were 42 points back of Boston, and they come up and win that uh, series. And not only win, they were down three games to one. They were down. They were up two nothing yesterday. Down three two. Montour scores his second goal of the game, less than a minute to go, and then they won it in overtime. Man, yeah, that was surprising. Uh, but you know, going into the season, I think we wouldn't have guessed that there would be a 42 point differential between the Panthers and Bruins. I think the Panthers are peaking at the right time. Uh, and Matthew to Chuck, I think this that really adds salt to the wounds for yeah. the Flames. Uh, Sam Bennett and Matthew Tuchuk really succeeding for the Panthers. So here's a bigger question for you folks out there. 936-6262, the number of call or text. The text line is powered by the Capital Auto Mall. Or you could call long distance one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Which fan base is smiling more today? Leaf Nation or Edmonton Oilers fans? I would suggest the Edmonton Oilers are the best team left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They have the two best players. They are... They're getting depth scoring. They're getting back their penalty killer. Like, I think the Oilers beat Vegas in five. Everybody says, oh, six or seven. Five games. Oilers have better goaltending. They've got way better special teams. And they got the two best players. 
Three boxes that you always got to check when you win a series. And the Leafs, that's not like you said. It's not going to be a pushover for, for, for Florida. But that's my question today. Who's got the better... Who's got the uh, who's smiling more, Leaf fans or Oiler fans? Oh, I think it's I think it's Maple Leaf fans because they eliminated a 19 year old curse, and I think for the Oilers, yeah, you're happy you won the first round series, but I think it was expected they were going to beat the Kings. So I mean, yeah, you're happy. No, but I mean, given what happened, like the Avalanche are gone, they don't got to go oh, through the, the matchup. The yeah. Leafs oh, yeah, have okay. to go through either the Devils or Rangers if they get by Florida. Oh, I think the potential matchup. Yeah, I think even. No matter who would have won, I think it would have been the Oilers. I think the Western Conference is the more clear path. Like, even before the Kraken took out the Avalanche, I really thought the Avalanche yeah. were prone for an upset. Whether it w- I thought it was going to be the, the, the divisional final yeah. that they were going to get tossed. So I'm not surprised that, Aval- that Colorado did not make it to uh, the Western Conference finals. So, yeah, you know, I think you, you if you're the Oilers, you like that uh, situation, the path. But uh, like I said before, uh, but you know... I think the momentum of this for the Maple Leafs, it could snowball for them. Uh, what, Gary Bettman's going to have a heart attack when it's Edmonton and Toronto in the Stanley Cup final. He will abs- <laughs> first year of the contract with ESPN and TNT. Oh, you know the Toronto part, though? Really? I mean, I know it's Canada, know. but it's a big market. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it might not generate as well, much Rogers buzz. Rogers will be happy, but down south they won't be happy. <laughs> hey, before we go to break, one of the best players in the modern history of the Alouettes has spoken out against a member of the team's current coaching staff. Legendary DN Anwar Stewart took aim at defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe on Facebook, saying, Noel Thorpe is not good for the Al's DC job. He wants to be the head coach, not head coach material, not a player's coach. If Montreal wants to make it back to the glory days, they have to get rid of him. And... GM Danny Machocha. Danny wants to make him a head coach, but not one player will play for him. Stewart's comments come in response to an article article detailing the retirement of linebacker Chris Ackie, who said he has other job opportunities, which he told us on the sports cage, but that Thorpe being his defensive coordinator made the decision easier. And he kind of reiterated that with us last week. Honestly, yeah, there is an American coaching bias because if you think about it, um, why take a chance on this is going to be their thinking why take a chance on this kid from a canadian university why can take a chance on this this guy who was in the nfl or this guy who came out of this big ncaa d1 school like right away it's going to be that bias is based off level of competition but i'd say canadians might take a little bit to develop more and get used to the game the first like during their rookie season, mm-hmm. first couple seasons, um, but like you just got to keep trusting, tr- trusting us. Yeah, so that's Chris Aki, who's now retired. Uh, so uh, some uh, some stuff being said about Noel Thorpe still on the coaching staff. There's D coordinator. Riders have added Canadian offensive lineman Matthew Dirks and American linebacker Ryan Henry to their training camp roster. We'll talk more Rough Riders football here coming up. Jeremy O'Day met with the media ahead of tomorrow's CFL draft, which we are covering live from coast to coast, from pillar to post. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball, Blaine Weiland back here, corner 12th and Rose. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. Which fan base is smiling more? Leaf Nation 
or the Oiler fan base after upset Sunday in the NHL. Hey, CFL draft is tomorrow. We got it covered here right here on 620 CKRM following the uh, sports cage live from Mosaic Stadium. And Jeremy O'Day met with the media today to discuss maybe their draft plans. Um, get asked it every year, and you know I don't think we're going to comment on which position is better than the other. I don't think it's uh, there's any value for me to to come out and say that. It's probably just my opinion as it is. But there's there's good players in in every position group, pretty much. You know, so um, you know it's a lot of it is when you're doing the draft process, you're really just going through and uh, really developing your draft board and the players that you like, and then um, unfortunately you can't pick all the all the ones you want and. Um, but you're uh, you're trying to um, really look at the needs of your roster and and um, develop a, a game plan going into the draft that uh, helps improve your team as much as possible. A record number of Canadians were taken in the NFL draft recently. We're seeing the top end talent has really increased in Canada. Are you seeing that with all the talent throughout? Has all the talent kind of been coming up through the years? Um, I just I just think in general over the last you know number of years the the talent's gotten better. I think there's a lot of things that factor into that. I think that um, you know the the youth sports teams are doing a great job with the guys, and I think their um, you know strength conditioning programs are have, have improved over the last number of years. I don't want to age myself, but it's um, I think it's just gotten better. Facilities, coaching's been better. I think the uh, the attention to the Canadian players uh, in in universities in the in the states has increased. I think that you know back in the day it was uh, you know guys would come up and and bring a couple dim- diamonds in the rough down right. Now they figured out that there's there's more diamonds than than they thought up here right. So I think the recruiting is a little bit more tense and more intense for Canadian players. And so you know I think they're playing at a little bit higher level and that makes them a little bit uh, more pro ready. So I think that. You know, if you, everyone always asks, you know, how do you compare this draft with the other ones? And I think you, you know, you make a case for this being a pretty strong draft when you see five guys drafted in the NFL, right? And another uh, two guys that were signed. And then, you know, the normal mini camp guys. And in the past, there's been a lot of guys that would go to mini camp, but not as many signs. So um, overall, for Canadian players, it's, it's a good graph. But uh, for CFL teams, maybe not as, uh, not as good because you don't have uh, the ability to see those guys right away, and they're not—they uh, weren't low-round draft picks. They were—they were taken pretty, pretty higher towards the middle of the NFL draft, which usually is an indication that they're going to be there for a while. What's the process between now and tomorrow night at six? Is it last-minute yeah. uh, conversations, or do you pretty much have it locked down? No, we yeah, we're still we're, we're actually meeting right after this uh, uh, this press conference here. We go back and meet as a staff, and really. Um, you have a, uh, a plan in place before the NFL draft, and then you have a plan in place when you actually see where the guys are going. And, you know, there's other little things there for the guys that got signed in the NFL, if, you know, if they've been given upfront money, if they've. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into finding out uh, exactly what kind of deal they got. And so that's an indication of whether they are in the plans long term for that team or not, right? So um, the higher they get drafted in the NFL or, or the more money they get up for. Up front, usually the the lower they go in our draft, right? So if they were, if they were in our draft and and uh, they weren't NFL guys, they'd be they'd be really high, and sometimes that affects their uh, their draft status in Canada, right? Because they're you may never see them, right? That's the other thing too, and it doesn't matter if it's a draft pick or an unsigned free agent. If he goes in and does well, there's a risk that you might not ever see him uh, playing playing the CFL. But you've been immersed in preparations for a while, like you have been. Now, is there an element of impatience? Let's just get to six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you're you're going back and watching the same guys for the, you know, I don't know how many time and you're trying to 
convince yourself it's a different grade than what it is and you're you know it's just a classic case of overthinking you don't want to overthink it just trust what the, the grades that you put on them but you do you do want to go back and double check them and you know we, we do that we actually compare grades within and we get in arguments over where a guy should be drafted and then you, everyone goes back and then the person that had him high usually brings him down the person that had him low brings him brings him up and so we kind of meet in the middle but um yeah, and again, you know, everyone's draft boards across the league is probably different because they have different needs, right? If you're focused in on a certain area, maybe your your draft board has them different, ranked different than the other teams. How do you weigh the combine performance, even the interview, the the personality test versus the film throughout the year, even the last couple of years when you're evaluating your guy? Um, yeah, I, I I tend to say um, we usually don't want to move a guy up too higher high. high from the combine like I, I i think that you can get um you know into a situation where you're drafting their athletic ability over top of uh their football ability and it didn't show on tape right so that you know the tape doesn't lie and um you can see them playing at the youth sports level or ncaa level and usually have a good indication of it um but i think you definitely can move the other way if you you watch tape and you thought you know, he's a heck of a player and I had him graded really high and he's going to go in this round and then he goes to the combine and his measurables don't really match what you'd, you'd have for a, for a professional football player, right? So I think they, they usually can go down, but it does change. I don't, I don't think it changes a great deal um, after the combine, but it does, it definitely does change their grade, you know, and, um, and then the, and then the interviews, if you got a guy that's just super high character and, and it matches all the coaches comments that it could affect their grade as well too. Right. Cause it's, it's definitely something we value. Do you have a guy in mind at three or did certain things need to happen? Or? <laughs> yeah, you, you have to have guys in mind, right? So you have to have a number of, of guys in mind and, and obviously you, you could look at it and say, this is the guy that I would pick number one overall if we had a chance. Right. And so what we do is we'll actually, We'll go through and say who's our number one guy, and we'll have a discussion about it. And if we all agree on it, then that's that's the guy we want. And we also understand that he might be gone at number one or number two, right? So then you have to say, well, who's the second guy and who's the third guy? And we actually do that for the first couple rounds just to make sure that we're we're prepared and we don't you know get thrown too, too many wrinkles. But it can change even on even on draft day. You know, it sounded good the day before, but now we're in the moment. You know, is this really the route we want to go? And um, it's kind of a, a fluid, it's a fluid movement, a fluid, fluid process, I would say. I don't know how much you pay attention to the articles leading up that are predicting what every team's going to do. But last week, a lot of analysts, you know, obviously saying that offensive linemen were really important for the riders to pick. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Um, I guess, I guess I, I really don't, really not concerned about uh, what the, what they say. They, they really don't know. Um, what our roster looks at, but um, you know, as far as offensive alignment, I know everyone wants to talk about that. It seems like it's on a regular basis, which is fine. Um, but really, the reality is, we you know we're we're planning on playing with three Canadian O linemen, right? So we have two guys: the one that's been a two-year starter for us, one that's been starting for four years in our league, and we signed Peter Godber in free agency for a reason. So that's three pretty good players, and we signed Philip Blake, who's been a Third round NFL draft pick. He's been here and he's been an All Star in our league, and he can play multiple positions. So he's he's in the mix with those guys as well. We have Logan Bandy that we drafted a couple years ago that played ten games for us. That's that's pretty good. Um, and then we have two guys that we drafted last year, one in the second and one in the third that are coming back to camp. So my math, if you're starting with three and you have seven, um, you know it's just a matter of if you think 
that you can draft someone at that spot that's going to be an improvement to the players that you have. And so that's the uh, that's the question that we always talk about when we're in the room. Is there a guy that's capable of playing and being better? Or, you know, if, if uh, you sign a guy in the first round, what does that mean for your second and third round picks from last year that you, you invested in? And, um, you know, we still have those guys that we, we did uh, draft last year. So That's Jeremy O'Day, GM of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, ahead of tomorrow's draft, which we'll have live here on 620. CKRM, when we come back in the other side of 330 News, we'll check in with Ben Roethlisberger's ex-strength coach Gary Roberts ex-strength coach Canadian living in Pittsburgh and a fan of the sports cage we'll also hear from John Keene the radio voice of the Kamloops Blazers this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM Here's your sports ticker. We had the upsets last night in Game 7 in the NHL with Boston and Colorado going down tonight. The New Jersey Devils are home to the New York Rangers. Winner moves on to take on um, uh, Carolina, and that will round out the Elite Eight. Daryl Sutter's out of a job. Most of the players didn't like him, we're told by Don Maloney, the president of hockey operations for the Flames. So he has been sacked with two years left on his contract. Cheap Murray Edwards, the GM, or pardon me, the owner's like, nah, okay, if I got to pay it, I'll pay it. So he is out. And uh, we've got some Major League Baseball to tell you about, too. Double dip right now between two of the uh, heavyweights in the National League. Braves beat the Mets 9-8, and right now they've started the uh, second uh, of the doubleheader, and the Mets lead at one nothing. end of the third. Uh, the Jays taking on the Red Sox, coming off winning two of three over the uh, Seattle Mariners. And that's your sports ticker. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Well, today's Coach of the Week here on the Sports Cage is Rick Bonus, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. He called out his team for their disgusting and heartless performance against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he was disgusted with their play and lack of pushback against the Knights when losing that series in five games. Uh, Many Jets players, six of them, I think, in their media availability, were not happy with the coach. I've actually never seen six players come out and question what their coach said following a series-ending loss. There will be changes in Winnipeg. But it won't be Rick Bonus who's going. As the GM Kevin Cheveldayoff pointed out yesterday, that Bonus will be back behind the bench for the Winnipeg Jets. So changes are coming in Winnipeg, you'd think, but they won't involve the hard-nosed coach Rick Bonus. And uh, I, for one, say here, here. That's your Coach of the Week. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Monday on the Sports Cage, you're coming to you from downtown Regina at the corner of 12th and Rose. And I, uh, you know, I think Twitter's a sewer pipe in a lot of cases, but not in this instance. I ran into this guy via Twitter, Lauren Goldenberg, who sent me a great, uh, a great message about uh, my rant on the CFL and TSN last week. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out to this guy and maybe we can uh, talk some football and, uh, other things. And then I start talking to him off the air. This guy's way more interesting than I even imagined. So let's get right to it here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Lauren, you're originally from Austin. Ottawa, but you are uh, in Pittsburgh now. How did you find your way from Ottawa to Pittsburgh? Well, I I, um, I actually came down here originally back in 2015 with uh, with Gary Roberts, who everybody will be familiar with. 
I trained Gary for for a number of years, and we came down to open up a, a Gary Roberts High Performance Training Facility uh, for the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and the Pittsburgh Penguins at their at their new uh, facility in Cranberry, PA. And uh, was was there. We got that off the ground and running, and. Um, and a couple of years into that, I got uh, I got recruited by Ben Roethlisberger's agent to uh, become uh, his performance director for the last four years of uh, of his career. What was it like working first off with Gary Roberts, who is a you know power forward uh, power forward extraordinaire back in the day? Well, I, you know, I I met Gary back. I used to work for the Ottawa Sixty Sevens back in the early eighties before there was any kind of strength coaches in uh, in the OHL and. Uh, I, when Gary first met me, he really didn't like me because I was getting him to do things he didn't really want to do. But he soon found out pretty quick that um, you know that that training and weightlifting and conditioning was going to be part of his journey to to be that impact player in the National Hockey League. And then, uh, what was it like working with Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, Roethlisberger, Big Ben. Sometimes people, uh, maybe they had a misconception of him that he only, uh, you know, got ready for camp just before camp. That was kind of the impression he left people. Well, no, he's. I always, you know, what he. he first of all, it was amazing working with him, and um, it was a great experience to get exposed to, you know, that level of football. Um, he was a worker. He was committed. Uh, he did uh, a lot of things off of the field and in the weight room and and uh, prep work to make sure he was ready for every game. And, and uh, you know, other than that, that bad uh, elbow injury that he had, he um, he really didn't miss many games in the four years we were together. And he was he was a warrior. Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think people really realize how big he is. He's almost like a lineman playing quarterback. <laughs> it certainly was. Yeah. What a big, big guy. So, uh, how has the strength and conditioning aspect uh, in, in the world of sports changed in the time you've been in it? Um, well, people have gotten a lot smarter. Um, I think that the science has uh, finally caught up to what a lot of the practitioners had been practicing for, for, for many, many years. As, as, as some people have said, it takes, uh, you know, these researchers four to seven years to to get to what we're proving in the weight room because some people want to rely completely on science. And, and I think the strength coaches are always making up science, but now, you know, people are using a lot of data, a lot of uh, analytics to help guide strength and conditioning programs. And, and there are good things and bad things with that, but it's, uh, it's certainly come, uh, come a long way from when I, I first started in it. How much different is it training, uh, you know, an OHL NHL type of player, as opposed to training a football player, like a Ben Roethlisberger? Well, it, it, it's huge. I mean, hockey is a really uh, tough sport to train because not only do they have to be, you know, very fast, very powerful, but they have to be able to do that over and over and over again. Where in, in football, they, you know, they'll work for, you know, four to seven seconds, and it, and that might be maximal, might be submaximal, depends where the ball is and what the play is, and uh, and they get, you know, twenty to forty seconds to to recover depending whether you're playing in Canada or, or, or the U S right. Yeah, for sure. Lauren uh, Goldenberg joining me here. So talk about this, my friend, you uh, sent me this, uh, you sent me this uh, uh, 
tweet basically saying how you agreed with my rant about the excuses and and everything that uh, surrounds the CFL. Listen, I you train Ben Roethlisberger. I've watched enough NFL football. Uh, now, I wouldn't say my expertise is like yours in that way, but I've watched enough. I just took listeners down to L.A. We watched NFL football. The production outstanding. The top end right. talent the top end talent one to seven. I've always said those those uh, those players one to seven on each roster are the elite of the elite. But after that, the rosters are pretty comparable. And I think our game's the best game on turf. To be quite honest with you, it's the marketing and the lack of give a crap in some instances that hurt the CFL. And you you tend to agree with me. Just uh, talk about your love for the CFL. Well. First of all, I grew up with the CFL, and what a lot of my friends down here don't understand is, like, you know, when I used to go home on a Friday night after work, they were like, what are you doing? I'm watching Friday night football, and they're like, they're looking at me like, what? What do you mean? And I, I say, oh, it's, you know, the Argonauts and the Tiger Cats. Oh, the Canadian game. Like, half the people don't even realize it down here. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, the NFL is so prevalent, and they don't get it. But, you know, my history with it, I, as I said, I grew up with it, and I'm very – personally passionate about it because I've seen players in my time kind of suffer from that American bias, if you will. And I've, I've actually trained a lot of, a lot of former Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Mike McCullough, uh, Scotty Gordon, Corey Grant. Those were three mm-hmm. guys, three of my big guys from, from the Green Riders back in the day. And, and I, I can remember Mike McCullough sharing stories with me. And, and you, you might remember this, like back in his last grade cup, uh, the middle linebacker went down. I can't remember who it Diamond was. Diamond Ferry. Season. Oh, uh, no. I know. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. The middle linebacker went went down. He steps in and, and covers for him. And then they tried to sub him out for Diamond Ferry later in the season. Yeah. And and what happened? Who started that Grey Cup game? I, I guess that was 2000. Was that 13, the 11 game? 13. The 11 game? 13. 13 game. And McCullough, had, I think he'd helped them win nine games, and all of a sudden you lose your starting position in the Grey Cup game because Richie Hall thinks an American should be playing there. Mm-hmm. And the American starts, they fall behind, they put McCullough back in after they finally figure out that, that he's lost, and they go and win the Grey Cup, and the defense you know, puts it together. And, and, I mean, those kind of stories people don't hear about – I've got an, an article right here. I'm a bit of a historian with this. It's the Hamilton Spectator from August 9, 1961. Ticats whip bills uphold prestige of the CFL. The subplot here, the question, who has the better Americans? That, that's, what they re- that's what they've been relying on, right? It's, it's not that the Canadians are good. It's that are, are the Americans better in, in Canada than in in say the AFL at the time. Yeah. So there's that, that, that bias. It's just, it just stinks for me. And I, I wish as I've been down here all weekend watching, you know, the, uh, the NFL draft and the passion and everybody has down here. Like it's, you know, it, it, it's too bad that a lot of Canada doesn't realize how good it really is. And, and why I would love to see another can Amble come back, which they played in the late seventies where it was an all-star team of, of NCAA players against CI, it was CIAU at the time. But uh, it, it, it gets very frustrating because when you see, uh, you know, Jim Mullen from yep. Football Canada, and where they, they put together these World Junior Football Championships and the U15 team, the U16 teams, like at those levels where 
we're winning world championships. Like we're, 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 we're so close. Right. And I think we just lose it at that university level where the coaching and the training and the time involved that gets put into these players takes the players uh, heads and tails. And as you mentioned on your show last week, it takes a Canadian guy, you know, a year or two to, to catch up once they're in the, in the pros to, to be able to really compete at, uh, at that level. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point, man. I'm glad there's a guy like you waving our flag. And the guy you were referring to that McCullough replaced was Ray Williams. And then uh, McCullough replaced right. him. And then Diamond Ferry, they tried to replace McCullough with Diamond Ferry and put McCullough back in. That was his last ever game, the 2013 Grey Cup. Hey, man, it was great catching up with you. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right. Keeping the show rolling here at the corner of 12th and Rose on a beautiful Monday to kick off the week in downtown Regina. CFL draft goes tomorrow here. Right here on 620 CKRM, we're going to have it covered from the first pick to the last pick. First time in its entirety the draft has been covered. We're doing it here because we need, you know, you got to promote. If you don't promote, nobody's going to know that Blaine Wyland is a great steakhouse. I got a great steakhouse. Really? Did you promote? No. Well, I still went to the keg. Maybe tell me you got a great steakhouse. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to promote the kids. Blaine will be live there in the bunker room downstairs with the other media, giving us the updated uh, audio from the draft picks and what's going on with the team. And I'll be upstairs with Don Hewitt, joined by people on the phone. There'll be a couple of current riders uh, in the Harvard Studio 620 as we will be uh, having our show live down there. So we're looking forward to it. Make sure you uh, tune it in. Hey, this day in baseball history, just before we get to our next great guest, it was on this day in 1990. In Texas, 44-year-old Rangers right-hander Nolan Ryan struck out 16 of Blaine Wyland's Blue Jays on route to his seventh career no-no, a 3-0 win at Old Arlington Stadium. I remember that last out, Roberto Alomar was the last strikeout. Really? I totally remember you watching that. about eight or nine? What's that? Years old? Oh, I was seven. Seven years old. Yeah. You remember that, eh? I remember. This is kind of my earliest memories that we're okay. talking about here. In that same year, in that same Day. Day, Ricky Henderson surpassed Lou Brock as baseball's career stolen base leader with his 939th steal. The A's beat the Yankees 7-4. That's the one where he said, I'm the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what we always remember, eh, yeah. is Ricky Henderson saying, I am the greatest of all time. Yeah. But when it comes to stolen bases, I think he is the goat. Oh, that dude had legs like tree oh. trunks. His, Maybe the greatest leadoff hitter ever. I'll tell you what, his legs had their own area code. Uh, let's uh, head out on the Western Pizza the hotline get it hot get it fast at western pizza join our friend john keen voice of the cam loops blazers how are you today john hey i'm great guys i was hoping that uh, today in baseball history would have been when uh, robin ventura uh charged oh, the mound yeah. on nolan allen and uh, nolan ryan i should say yeah. and, uh, and got the El Tito surprise there on the top of the head. yeah gave him the old noogie uh also this day of baseball history, my uh, team, the Padres, Trevor Hoffman, you know, with that dong, dong, hell's bells. He comes out of the uh, dugout, major league record for most saves with one team, 321, broke Dennis Eckersley's record of 320 with Oakland. Are you a baseball fan, uh, uh, John? 
Oh yeah, big time. And it's you know these names you you talk about. Uh, they were on the the most hated uh, Oakland Athletics, right? Henderson, Eckersley. Yeah. You know, as a young Jays fan in Saskatchewan, you know it seemed like the road always kind of went through Oakland there in the '90s. So that was great. Yeah, and it's sad that they're going to be leaving for Vegas. Like, uh, think about Oakland. Oakland had at one point the Golden State Warriors. The Oakland A's and the Raiders, as Berman would say, and they all were in the same parking lot, and now they're going to be gone. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. No, yeah, Vegas is the place to be, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, the entertainment capital. So too bad. Hey, uh, I'll get your. Uh, we'll get to the Blazers in a second. Um, first off, hockey stuff. Uh, Oilers in five over Vegas. I got the Oilers in five. Am I being overly optimistic? Uh, yeah, I think you are. I think you are. Uh, nothing, nothing comes easy for the Oilers. Uh, I don't think here at this stage. Uh, and and Vegas, remember, is a, a really, really good team. They don't have the home ice advantage uh, that maybe the Oilers would have. Uh, but uh, Kelly McCrimmon's done a really good job there, former Western League GM and owner. So uh, we'll give some. Okay, so wait, 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 wait a minute, Keen. You know hockey better than me. Let's just slow. Let's let's just break this down for a second, okay? I know I've got orange and blue goggles on. Who's got the better goaltending, Edmonton or Vegas? Well, right now, right, I mean, that's a toss-up to me. Laurent Brossois, uh, Stuart Skinner, former Western Hockey League goaltenders. Uh, that's, that's a coin flip for me, to be honest. Keener. Brossois is a career backup. Like, he, come <laughs> on. And they played Winnipeg. Winnipeg is like two guys. They had no heart, okay? Number one. Number two, would you not agree with me the defense now that Ekholm's there is a wash? That defense is a wash between Vegas and Edmonton. I'd say you're, you're fair, fair marks on that, but oh. like they're, they're really they're, they're should be. Oh, we're losing you. Are you still there, John? Got me there. Yeah, so we lost. So, so, so okay. So, okay. So, let's just. You've watched enough hockey. You say or you say uh, the it's it. You say uh, it's kind of a wash at goalie. Okay, the Oilers have the best two players in the world on their team in Drysaitel and McDavid, and their special teams are light years ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights. Are those not the three prerequisites to win a series? Hey, I mean, I know, I know, there's a bias here, but uh, but you have to, you know, give respect to Vegas. They're in it every year. Uh, they are well coached. They're well managed, uh, and they'll find a way to to series. And just because you know, just because you're picking, we can uh, reconvene here in a couple of weeks and see how it all shook down. Yeah, okay, we will, John. We will. Um... It's going to be a gentleman's sweep, Oilers in five. How about, though, how about, how about last yesterday, man? Like, you got to, okay, here's the question yeah. I'm asking the people, okay? Which fan base would be happier after yesterday, the Avs going out and the Bruins going out? Would it be Leaf Nation or would it be Oiler Nation? Great question, but I think uh, there was a video of the Leaf fans, uh, what were they chanting, we want Florida. So, I mean, they, they showed their hand pretty pretty quick there, I think, on that. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty safe bet. It's, it's, it's the Leaf fans, for sure. That won't be an easy series. Florida's good. No, no, they're, and they're on the roll, right? And, you know, they got two good goalies there. Who are they going to start in goal? So, uh, always beware of that team that pulls off the upset. I always think back to, like, you know, like, I, I grew up as a big Minnesota North Star fan, and, and, and they were the 16th seed one year. Yep. They knocked off number one Chicago. Remember that year? They yep. knocked off number two St. Louis. 
Uh, and then they knock off the Oilers, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and then run into a buzzsaw in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so you always got to be wary of that, you know, that 16th seed, or in this case, the 8th seed. The old Bobby Smith, Brian Bellows, Mike Medano stars. Yes, yeah, all the guys, right? Like that was uh, John Casey and goal yeah. and... Um, Tenorti, Tenorti, yeah, 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 absolutely. I remember Tenorti, that. Neil Broughton, yeah. yeah, good group. Oh, I remember that. And the the beautiful green yeah. and yellow and oh, white. Yeah. white. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. quickly, we got about four minutes. Listen, your team, the Kamloops Blazers, had the lead twice and couldn't hold it. That's got to be frustrating. Yeah, especially when you have a top team you're playing against, you you need to close that game out. And and even when it went to overtime uh, and regulation, actually, Blazers closed out regulation on a power play and had several good looks to to end it in regulation. And then to get the chances you do in OT, that's tough. That's a tough one for me. They're they're going to have to win these these 50-50 games uh, when they come down to it. They didn't get one. Uh, last night uh, in Seattle. So uh, back to home ice, though, here, hoping that that can turn the tide. Is Seattle that good? I mean, they haven't lost in the playoffs. 10 and 0. We haven't, I haven't seen them live with my own two eyes. Okay, well, for, for Saskatchewan WHL fans, Kyle Krinkovic, who put up 94 points for the Saskatoon Blades last year, he's on their fourth line. Uh, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> that yeah, is. It, it, I'm not kidding. I mean, he plays with a guy like Grayson Souchin, who could be a first overall pick, and they're on the fourth line. It, it's it, they are loaded, and uh, they we all know the resources they put into their team this year. They have one fourth round draft pick uh, for the next four drafts as their highest selection. Uh, so they have a great team to start, and they went all in and, and pushed their assets here, and, and they got a super team there for sure. John, I'm uh, I'm very happy, though, that Kamloops is in this thing right now because it adds credibility to the Memorial Cup. Like, they're on the doorstep. Yeah, they're right there. And, and no one has questioned you know this team's ability this year. We talked about this before. I think maybe in the past there has been some questions about a Memorial Cup host. Like, look at last year. Like, even though St. John won the thing, they were out in round one. Yeah, uh, in 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 the first round in the Quebec League, and we talked about Kelowna in twenty twenty, and even Regina to some extent. There was you know some questions, or always is. Uh, but you're right. You know this team has uh, has some of the best world talent in junior hockey, and Logan Stankoven and Olin Zellweger, and this team's right there. Got to win. Got to win the next game, though. It's a must win, even though it's not an elimination game. Yeah, I, and I think people know that, and that's that's the big one coming up Tuesday. Uh, Blazers blue line's getting a little bit uh, banged up. They've you know now lost two sort of depth defensemen, so they'll be tested. But uh, this is a pretty resilient group, great leadership, great coaching staff too. Like, unbelievable. This is the best group of coaches I've, I've worked with in 20-some years, so uh, they'll find a way. The great voice of the Kamloops Blazers, Saskatchewan's own John Keane. Thanks for your time, man. We'll check in again. Good luck. Hopefully can make a series of it. Okay, guys. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll check in maybe after the Oilers in Vegas and see how it all sorts down. That's right, gentlemen. Sweep, gentlemen. Sweep, John. Gentlemen. Sweep. <laughs> you got it. Take you care. It. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. That yeah. is. And by the way, the Kamloops Blazers used to be the Kamloops Junior Oilers. So there you go. A little tie in there. Yeah, those those jerseys back in the day kind of were. A little... I still like these Blazers unis. These, yeah. these dark Blazers unis are my. They're right near the top. Pats, Pats, Roads, Tigers, Darks, and this one. I'm always a big fan of the Blades Pac-Man jerseys. I don't mind those two. I like the Pac-Man. They've had some goofy ones, but I do like the Pac-Man ones. They're dead. Blades are dead. They're not coming back oh, yeah, again. No. They're not coming back again. Three times? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably will. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
I like keeping the show going with our good friend Jim Barker. Uh, he, CFL man extraordinary. He's done everything at uh, at our in our game, and uh, he's joining us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you today, Jim? Doing great, Michael. How are you? Doing well, man. So you're not with the Argos anymore. Tell us about that. You know, there just comes a time when you feel like, you know, there's it's time to move forward. And I had an opportunity to go back to TSN, and I, you know, I, I just feel like uh, it, it's kind of where I belong right now. So I'm excited about uh, about going back and, you know, um, giving being able to give fans a little different perspective, a perspective from a management coaching. You know, I mean, obviously Lapo does a great job and, and Matt Dunnigan's coached some, but I, I my, my background is just different. And, and so hopefully can give, give, uh, you know, these great fans, uh, a different look at, at things. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll just uh, see what see what rolls. Yeah, we're we're excited about it too. Here, at least from my perspective, uh, what do you like about uh, being a broadcaster in this game? I've heard a lot of coaches and executives say John Gruden used to say, "Doesn't matter." At the end of the day, I'm I'm one and zero after a broadcast. Nobody nobody's calling in the calling show after ripping uh, ripping the broadcaster. Generally, some people do. I mean, I get it, but you know what I mean. Like, it's not the pressure of a football business where it's the ups and downs. You know that's true, and that's probably why I kept going back. Was I missed having your job on the line every week, and I missed. Uh, you know, basically you're judged on a week by week basis. And, uh, uh, just that, that daily, I I don't know if you want to call it pressure. It's probably self-induced pressure, but, uh, I miss that. I, I, I enjoyed that. That was probably, I mean, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm over 60 years old and, and have never worked a day in my life. Cause I, you know, I do this stuff for nothing. And, and now I get a chance to, you know, the, the thing I, I enjoy about about TV is being able to give a perspective that maybe somebody hasn't thought about uh, when it comes to, you know, like the draft tomorrow night, uh, why somebody might take that guy instead of that guy or why they won't necessarily look at this player. And I just think there's a lot of things that that are, are great fans. I mean, the CFL is, is a special league and it's, takes a different kind of player than the NFL. And uh, I know you, you went through the, the big thing with, with Chevrier about, yeah. you know, the, about the, the leagues and, uh, um, you know, this is a different game. The Canadian game is different. It takes a different skill set. You take a Sidney Brown, who was just drafted by the Eagles. He is a safety who's made for the NFL. I mean, he, his success is going to be, great in the NFL. Now, would he be a good CFL? Absolutely he would, but he's made for the NFL. There's players that are made for that league, and then there's players that are made for our league, and, and we'll have great success up here, uh, That there and there are NFL players that can't play up here. So, uh, I think in the draft, it's, it's interesting to point out some of those things, and then to be able to point out about roster management, how how why a team might over, overlook or not take a player because it's difficult to manage a roster with that particular, you know, uh, player on the roster and trying to handle the, you know, the ratio and, and 
where your starters are going to be, and that to me, it's the beauty of the of mm-hmm. the Canadian game, and the thing I love I, I love the most. Well, Mark Tressman said it's a thinking man's game, and I, uh, you know, I think we've touched on this before, but I think it's worth reiterating. I think that's one of the beauties of the league, like uh, to 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 put those seven starters somewhere. Where are you going to put them? You going to put five on offense, like the Riders plan to do, or three on defense? And and how do you do it if this guy gets injured? I love that thinking man's uh, part of the game, and that. That when you talk about roster management and the draft, that's what you look at. I mean, people can say they draft the best available athlete and all that, but it's a, I think it's a bunch of garbage. I think that you draft the guy that has the best chance to make your team. And I used to tell our guys from in every round, there's got to be a path to the guy making the team. Now, obviously, they won't all make it, but you want to draft the guy. For example, there's guys, I think there's 10 guys in this draft that can't go back to school. They, they can't go back and develop for another year. So as you get into the later rounds, you have to know, is this a guy who can go back to school or is this a guy that he either makes it now or doesn't? And, yeah. I, you know, last year with Toronto, we drafted three guys in the late, late rounds that all went back to school and they'll come in this year and they'll be a better player than they would have been not having had the experience of going through training camp and that type of thing. So even Daniel Cuomo, who's a linebacker out of UBC, he was injured. We still drafted him. He was able to come and learn and just being around professional athletes help you. Now he went, goes back to UBC, has a fantastic year. He would have, I believe, been a first or second round draft pick in this year's draft. Uh, but he comes back now with a year under his belt and, and that type of thing. So that's where the draft in the late rounds can really be effective if you can take guys that you think have development possibilities and are open to going back and playing in college. Well, then you got a guy like a Jaden Dalkey who uh, played for the Riders this year, and they're looking for even a bigger role. He was a... Uh... He was an older guy coming out because he played junior football and then played uh, U-sports at Alberta. And, uh, you know, kind of, a, I think it was a fifth-round pick. You're like, okay, he might make the team, he might not make the team, and uh, he popped. And now, uh, you know, Jason Shivers really trusts the kid. Exactly. And he's a, he's a, the, the kind of example of that. He could have gone back to school. I believe he could have. Yeah, 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 he could have, yeah. Yeah, he could have gone back to school. And imagine what he would be like coming in this year. And now you draft him in the fifth round and you get a guy that, you know, really if he didn't develop fast enough to play for them, which he did, and because of maybe, you know, for whatever reasons, he got an opportunity, showed he could play Sam. I remember he started as Sam against us in the, in the Atlantic Bowl. So, um, yeah, you know, that's the, that's the kind of guys you, you look for, guys who – if they aren't ready right now, they they can develop into something. And and you know, Dalkey, his the big downside on him was his ability to cover. And and but he was very physical and just and loved playing the game, which I think is a, a huge factor. And now he's going to be you know he's going to be a solid player. And and you know, uh, Jason did a great job of 
understanding what he can do and what he can't do and not putting him in positions to not be successful. That's Jim Barker on the Western Pizza Hotline, and we'll get Jim to hang on the phone. We'll talk more draft coming up here. But first, it's time to look at our uh, clutch performance for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. And for that, we turn our attention to Carter Verhage. He was all over it in the third and overtime from the Florida Panthers as they upset the Boston Bruins yesterday. Verhage back to Barkov. Long shot block. Montour scores! Brandon Montour with 59.3 seconds remaining. And it gets it. Here's Verhage shooting. He scores! Carter Verhage! 8.35 into overtime. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Jim Barker joining us here, former CFL executive and coach, now back with TSN. We're happy about that. He's joining us here talking about uh, that move in the draft. Um, and it's an interesting draft because uh, some of the guys will never see the light of day here. So uh, what's your strategy in the rooms you've been in when you're like, okay, like, for instance, you mentioned the Brown kid or the Brown kids because one went to Cincinnati. Now, the guy who went to Cincinnati, the running back, he might have an opportunity one day to play here in the CFL if uh, things don't work out in the NFL. But, like, what's your strategy going into the drafts when you have guys like that, that, you know, at the top of the draft but might not be here? Well, it's all... For me, it's all dependent on the individual. Chase Brown, if you've watched him at all, every every place he goes, he's he's not fast enough, or he's not this, or he's not that, and he just they're all wrong. There is, yeah. and I believe the same thing is going to happen. I think he's going to go to the Bengals, and he's going to be a guy that will probably play special teams for a year or two, and then you know he'll be he'll be a six seven year player. I would take every single one of the five, and I wouldn't even have them in the draft. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have them on our board. Um, I just don't think you're ever going to see them. I think that all of them are, you know, City Sal, I thought had a uh, – I, I really liked him when I saw him at the CGS game this year, and I thought, wow, this guy's this guy's going to he, – he's going to be, I thought, in the fifth round, fourth fourth to fifth round and sure enough he goes in the fourth round and you know Bergeron who again I didn't think he would go in the second saw him and and just didn't think he would be that high and he was and you know those kind of guys are not going to trickle down to our league I mean you got a lot of people I mean it's it's still professional football and it's about win now or you're gonna you're picking for somebody else yeah and so again, having those kind of guys, the guys who are drafted, I, I, I mean, I can't remember a lot of Canadian players who were drafted who ended up coming up here. Um, there, there have there haven't been many. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they, in the, with the other, you know, with a couple of these other guys like a, a Jared Wayne, who signs as a, and, and this is a really interesting thing that again a lot of fans don't know about, and but um, Jared Wayne. $10,000 to sign as a priority free agent with the Houston Texans, um, who also drafted two receivers in that. One of them, uh, little kid Dell, who's a little jitterbug. But but they have a rookie quarterback. And with a rookie quarterback, you're going to want to throw a lot of completions, which means screw 
screens and things. Well, Jared Wayne is as good a blocking receiver as there is in this draft. Uh, he's just, I, I think his chances of making the team are very good. Now, he got 10000 to sign and a guarantee of, of around 200000 that he'll get paid regardless of what happens. So they're going to invest time in him. So that would move him down my draft list. Jonathan Sutherland also got 10000 to sign as a priority free agent with Seattle. No guarantee. Now, he might not move down as far, but I think you're still looking at three years for either of those guys before they uh, – Sutherland, because he's – I think he's going to be a, a dynamic special teams player, and uh, he's just a guy without a position. A little like Jesse Lucetta last year, who mm-hmm. was just a little undersized and, and that type of thing. But um, So those two guys, I think, I think they'll be drafted. They should be drafted. May get drafted in the first three rounds, but I don't think you're going to see them for a couple of years. They they can be taken, you know, teams that have multiple picks in a round and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the thing is about the, with the CFL is these players can affect teams right away. And right. Right. Yeah. There are enough enough guys now. This draft is different because there isn't a guy who's a a clear core cut number one or number two. Or, I mean, it's all speculation. You've got two guys, Harrison Bagiago, who's going to uh, a mini camp, and you, uh, Ugoak, the TCU, Connecticut TCU kid, he's going to, um, I think he's going to the Giants, and it just as a rookie camp invite, uh, Dante Bull, who is a guy I had kind of pegged that the writers might have an interest in. Mm. Um, he's going to, again, just a rookie camp invite to the Buffalo Bills. Again, he's coming off of an injury and, you know, with him, it's, it's difficult because he'll go to he'll go there and his size is so imposing. And when you put his size with his, his athletic ability, they could say, you know what, this guy's just not healthy yet. Let's hold on to him. And again, it's, it's one of those things that, you know the riders need an offensive lineman they uh, i believe they need it that that's that's what they need but at drafting third overall it wouldn't shock me to see them maybe move down a little bit mm-hmm. and try to you know and because the next the next best guy will probably uh, i would guess would be Phil Grohovic from Grohovic from uh Western who's just a tough grinder I mean, really, Saskatchewan type offensive lineman—the kind who's just going to get dirty down there. And <laughs> um, you know, I know they like they like Dayton Black, but Dayton Black, I think, is farther away. And I think he—I'm I, I, not sure he can play guard. He's so long, and and you know, he might have to be a tackle, which again takes longer to develop. And you know, when you're in a situation like they're in playing a, a young tackle is 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 difficult to do so um i'm not sure they would you know they would take him maybe in the second round be a could be could be a, a real good pick but their first pick i think is going to be somebody that tries to play for him and i just don't know that that offensive lineman like i say dante bowl was kind of who i had geared there and then i you know found out that he's signed with buffalo not signed it's 
they, they they don't get signed; they get invited. Invited, to yeah. Rookie camp. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you. I want to ask you before we go here, Jim, about two uh, Regina Rams that are high on the, a lot of people's boards. Jackson Ford. He comes by it honestly. His grandfather's the great Al Ford, and then uh, I, I think a pretty good linebacker uh, slash special teamer, Josh White, here at the U of R. Uh, I wonder if you've seen any tape on them. I've watched them with my own two eyes. They're two pretty good football players. Yeah, you got there. The University of Regina has got four. I mean, Bennett's, Bennett's a good player, yeah, a really solid player, and uh, Tanner Schmeckel is a really good player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have him ranked high in the interior defensive lineman. But Josh White is a—he's one of the the few guys who come out of U Sports and you say this guy could play well in the in the CFL. So he's a guy that I think will be high on people's boards. Um, Jackson Ford. It is one of my favorite players in the draft. I think he is a prototype uh, free safety. Uh, you know, uh, a, a team that plays a Canadian free safety, he's ideal. He is. He will come down and hit you. The instincts he has for the game haven't hung around his dad, his grandfather. Uh, you know, through all these years and having Al there. He, it just the instincts show up on film, and you can see it. He's one of my favorite players. He ran and I mean, ran better than anybody thought he would. I think he ran a four, just under four six, and and uh, you know he's still not a great man cover guy, but that's not what safeties in the CFL are asked to do. They occasionally roll down, and you know Tundi Adelike is is one of the 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 better safeties in our league, and you know Royce Mechie that we have. I think Jackson is a clone. I think if you look at their their uh, numbers coming out, very, very similar, uh, Mechie and Jackson. So, uh, again, the thing I love about Jackson is his, his instincts, and uh, he, just, he just knows how to play the game. And, you know, I've seen running backs, and one of the questions I ask these guys who haven't, you know, played at this level is, you know, when William Stanback comes rolling through the B gap with a full head of steam, you got to come up and make the tackle for a five yard game. Yeah. And can he do that? And I believe Jackson Ford can. I think he's fearless back there. Again, one of my favorite players in the draft. Tell you what, man, we're, gra- we're glad this guy is uh, back on our side of things, one of our teammates in the media game. It's Jim Barker. Thanks for your time, man, and we'll check in with you. We'll see, uh, we'll, uh, see how some of your expertise plays out tomorrow night. Thanks. Very good. Thanks, Michael. Sports Ticker, and it's brought to you by our good friends over there, Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. There's a Game 7 in the NHL tonight. The Devils hosting the Rangers. The first four games went to the road teams. The last two have gone to the home teams. We'll see what this one uh how it uh, ends off, and uh, the winner of this series goes on to play Carolina and will round out the Elite Eight in the NHL. There's a firing in the NHL. Daryl Sutter is out as head coach of the Calgary Flames. Uh, Major League Baseball, doubleheader going on. Uh, first game, Braves 9-8 over the Mets. Second game, it's 3-2 for the Braves right now, leading the Mets in the bottom of the sixth in New York. Jays open up a series against the Red Sox in Boston. And that's your sports ticker.
The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Today's CFL report is brought to you by our friends out in Fort Capel, Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Capel. Check them out online, kevinsmarine.com. The CFL will hold its global and Canadian college draft tomorrow, and we will be live on location at Mosaic Stadium for all the festivities as the uh, riders have a season ticket holder invite-only draft day party, and we'll be a part of it here, covering the draft from the first selection to the last. We've got it covered with special guests. First time it's been covered in its entirety on the radio. And our friends over at 3Down Nation have come out with their top 25 draft prospects. And the Rams have some players on the board worth mentioning. Jackson Ford, the grandson of former rider great Al Ford. Safety with the U of R Rams. Already special teams built and he likes to run downhill and make tackles. So he is a highly touted as is Josh White. An underrated weak side linebacker who reads plays really well against the run or the pass. And he's got that explosive burst when making the tackles. Anthony Bennett. He's undersized and older than a lot of prospects at 26, but he's got great speed and a motor and can bend around the corner, run the hoop, as they like to say. Was a sack master for the Rams in his last year. And another guy worth watching from the Rams is interior defensive tackle Tanner Schmeckel. I expect to see his name gone on draft night tomorrow. Make sure you're listening to our draft show. Coverage begins at 6, right after the sports cage from Mosaic Stadium. This has been the CFL Reports. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show, and it's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, catch up with the NHL Network's Mike Kelly. We have lots going on in the world of hockey, including some fresh stuff. Earlier today, Daryl Sutter relieved of his duties as coach of the Calgary Flames, many of the players apparently weren't happy with him. But it's funny, one year you're the Jack Adams Trophy winner, you sign an extension, the next year you're fired. Yeah, life moves quick, no question about it. And, um, you know, I, 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 along with many others, were heaping praise on Daryl Sutter last season for the job that he did going in there, taking a team that had some, you know, pretty obvious structural flaws in how it played, and having a great season. And... You know, things didn't work out in the playoffs, obviously, but he won that award as he very well should have. And then you go into this season, and as the season's starting, you know, everybody was raving about Brad Treleving and the job that he did, taking an impossible situation and making the roster, everybody said, as good, maybe even a touch better. And the team severely underperformed. So, Obviously, part of that is the fact that Markstrom had a, a, a rough year after being a best in the finalist. And, and, you know, a goalie can help a coach win that award, the Jack Adams, and, and also help get him fired. It's that, it's that important of a position. So that didn't help. But beyond that, like you said, there was friction with players. Um, there was stubbornness in how the team played, and, and it wasn't effective. Um, this, you know, the, the way that they tried to create offense, this volume approach to creating offense that never seemed to work. And ultimately, um, yeah, that, it, a lot of friction was created there. And this is the direction they go. So 
Um, I think you look at the team now and where it's at and how it underperformed and uh, a fresh start was, was probably the best thing to do here because Jonathan Huberto having the year that he had others as well. It, it you just, it, that can't happen. Um, the, the, the players are too good and you start looking around at where you know, the issues might be. And it's not surprising that this is the move that they decided to make. Now, a um, couple of provinces over, uh, Rick Bonus is back as coach of the Jets after he called out some of his players, called it a, a disgusting performance, and they had no pushback. Players pushed back after the game, not happy with Bones, their coach, but he is back behind the bench. So to me, that would signal there will be changes on the personnel side, you'd have to think. I think so. I think there should be. Like This core group has been together for a long time. Um, they went to the conference final at one year, which was great. Uh, but other than that, it, there hasn't been much to hang your hat on if you're a Jets fan. So um, there's been, you know, stories forever about um, the, the leadership in, in Winnipeg and the room, et cetera. Um, you know, the players spoke and, and, and Rick Bonus as well about being very happy with everything in that regard this year. But Blake Wheeler you know, had the captaincy taken away. Um and there's, you know, there's pretty powerful voices in that room that have been there for a long time. And, you know, that can be a good thing. Maybe not. The players, again, said that they're, they're really happy with the way that things went in there. So Rick Bonus is clearly frustrated. He has always been somebody who will not, and I don't think can, hide his emotion. He's a passionate guy. I think it's good. Um, you heard Blake Wheeler say, you know, you wish that was just handled behind closed doors. For the rest of us, we like the fact that it wasn't. Um, you want people to be honest in the media as much as you can. So uh, I think that there likely will be changes and, and pretty big changes. You know, Shifley and Wheeler and Hellebuck have one year left before their UFAs. Pierre-Luc Dubois is an RFA. Um, I think it's best for the group to probably make some, some pretty significant changes. Uh, and you still have a lot of other guys that you can build that team around. Mike Kelly from the NHL Network joining us after uh, – uh... Very monumental night in the NHL. Two huge upsets. So which which team secretly is smiling like a butcher's dog more? The Toronto Maple Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, personally, I think the Stanley Cup window is wide open this year for the Oilers. If not this year, when? I agree with you. More so than ever, and their team is better than it's ever been with, with Dreisaitl and McDavid there. So it should be. You're getting Vegas now. Vegas is playing great hockey. Mark Stone is back. He is dialed in. Um, their decor is big, physical. It is so hard to try to penetrate and get it on the inside and create those quality shots against that team. That's going to be a challenge for Edmonton, as good as they are offensively. A power play, this thing's out of control. It's 57% um, in the first round. It, it, it's impossible to stop, and, and it, it hinges around the fact that McDavid doesn't stand still. He's all over the place, so you, you can't just set up your four guys in a box or a, a diamond or whatever and, and stop that team. So that'll be big. Um, this is going to be real tough for Edmonton, though, but real tough. And on the Toronto side of it, there's a lot of people saying, wow, Maple Leafs dodged a bullet. They don't have to play Boston. Fair enough. Boston played real poorly. And on the other side of it, you don't have to play Boston. You have to play a team that just beat Boston, though. Like the Florida Panthers, they didn't luck their way into that win uh, series. They outchanced 
you know, all the underlying stuff, it was in Florida's favor. They, they straight up beat the Boston Bruins. Now, obviously, most of that came in the last three games, but a team that can do that to the Boston Bruins, force them into the kind of mistakes they force them into, uh, this is not going to be easy for the Maple Leafs either. Mike, I'm, 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 I'm not picking up what you're putting down. I say the Oilers in five games. They've got the better goalie. Oh. They've got the better goalie. Brossois a career backup, and Jonathan Quick is washed. They uh, they dominated the season. You're going to argue they got the better goalie. Stuart Skinner had some of the worst goaltending stats of any goalie in the first round. He's the better goalie. You're going to tell me Stuart Skinner's not better than Brossois? Maybe over 82 games, but this is seven at most. The defense is a wash, and the Oilers have the two best players in the world on their team right now. That series is over in five games. I'll make you a bet. If the series goes seven games, or if Vegas wins it at all, then you owe me something. If Edmonton wins it at all, or it goes five, they'll... I'll owe you. Okay, we'll figure it out. I, I, I honestly we'll figure it out. I thought, uh, as an Oiler fan, a guy that watches his team, I was hoping we'd get Vegas in round one because it's a way better matchup for Edmonton. And I might point out, Vegas's special teams are horrific. The Oilers, yeah, the the that so so in playoff hockey, do you need goaltending? Yes, check Edmonton. Do you need to have the best players? Yes, check Edmonton. And McDavid hasn't even been playing his best yet. And you have to have the best special teams. The Oilers have that. I can't see how Vegas, A, wins a series, or, unless the Oilers get in their own way, how it goes past five games. You bring up good points. Um, all I'll say to that is, so first of all, I took Winnipeg to beat Vegas, so it's not like I'm some lifelong Vegas. Me too. You know, Me too, yeah. They're going to win the cup. Um, but they played way better than I thought, and I give them a lot of credit. Uh, Brassois, you're right. He's, he's a career backup, and that's fine. The the Golden Knights allowed the fewest you know high danger shots of any team in the first round. Like Edmonton's going to get more obviously than Winnipeg did, um, but how much more? And that's the other thing with Skinner. Like people were talking about Corpus Allo going into that that uh, final game of that series, and you know should it be Corpus Allo and that Skinner's numbers are worse. So the LA Kings, you know, their power play was thirty three percent, and they can score, and that's fine too. Vegas in terms of offense, five-on-five is another level. And if Skinner's game isn't better, which it absolutely could be, if it isn't better, we're not going to see him in the net for long. It'll be Campbell, and then, you know, talk about that too. But Mm -hmm. um, No, that's a good point. That's a good point. No, you make good points too. I will throw this in too. Yanmark, their best PK guy's back. So that'll help the Oilers PK out. It was a lot better uh, until he went down. Hey, so um, tonight's hockey game. Well, before we get to tonight, what do you... Listen, we shouldn't be that surprised, actually. The Seahawks in their first ever playoff game were victorious. The Seattle uh, Supersonics in their first ever series were victorious. Um, The Mariners in their first ever playoff series were victorious. And the Seattle Kraken, victorious. What do you make of that? Ah, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Look, it's it's good for a new market, obviously, to have this kind of success. And you know they're going to be in the front page of the sports section, and um, that, that's all fantastic. And you know what? They played they played really, really well. And I give them so much credit. The the balance, the depth on that team. Um, you know, I don't know. Going into the game, nobody had more than two goals. They had like fourteen different guys that had scored. It's it's crazy. And every line, it's the same thing. They just apply pressure. They forecheck. Um, they skate. 
really impressive. And the one thing that, you know, the one reason why I thought Colorado was going to win that series more than anything was I didn't have a lot of faith in Grubauer. Right. And he was brilliant in game seven. So hats off to him. Um, it, what a really cool story that was. Just sitting here watching those two games last night in my hotel and, and you're watching you're watching the greatest regular season team of all time, statistically, and the defending Stanley Cup champions both lose game sevens on the road, back-to-back games. Like, it's, what a crazy night. Yeah, it really was. Hey, I was on Twitter yesterday. I said, I think the Oilers have the best team left in the playoffs. But just judging by our back and forth here, I think if they get through New Jersey, the Rangers probably do because I like their goaltending. Yeah, Igor Shosturkin has been fantastic in this series. He's, he's the reason why it's still going. Um, New Jersey, you know, the first two games, especially the first game, New Jersey looked like they were not prepared for the moment. They got a lot of young players, not a ton of playoff experience. Um, people asked about it going in. Uh, I was talking to Bruce Boudreaux on our set yesterday, and he said, you know, the only games I thought that might be an issue for New Jersey is game one and game seven. Well, it was an issue in game one. We'll see if it's an issue in game seven. But Jersey got its confidence, and they started a steamroll for three games. So when they're playing their A game, if both these teams play their A game tonight, I think Jersey probably wins. Um, but Shosturkin is that X factor where he can steal a game. And uh, I think the Devils, other than that, have the better team. But that's a huge – like, who's probably Schmidt and Met tonight? But for the first time, the Rangers finally got to him. Um, so th- this is going to be real interesting, and I've – I wouldn't want to have to, you know, bet my mortgage on one of these teams in this game tonight. Now, I'm not making light of injuries, but I found it lastly to bring this up to you. I found it also kind of interesting. We saw two upsets we don't see usually on the same night. And who would have thought in the Colorado-Seattle series, the two villains would be Kale McCarr and Jordan Eberle? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Eh? Like, What's their combined penalty minutes the last few years? Um, I-, I thought the refs really... Uh, really got that wrong with the, the Eberly hit on Cogliano. Uh, I watched it live and I right away, five minute major. Um, you watch the replays, it's even worse. And then there was no suspension. I mean, that, that's a player who is defenseless. He didn't turn into it. Um, he, he's defenseless. Eberly's got time. He's cruising in, didn't have to make the hit, uh, and did. I was I was shocked that he wasn't only given a major, but that he wasn't suspended for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Mike Kelly, always some great comments. Check him out at Mike Kelly NHL on Twitter and uh, on the NHL Network. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. This was a spirited debate. I love it. Yeah, hey, we'll see what happens. This will be good. I like the fact that, you know, you disagree, but you, you, everybody brings good points to the table. And uh, yeah, we'll see. You'll probably be right, but we'll see. I don't know. I have blue and orange glasses. I'm, <laughs> it's been a long wait. For, it's been a long wait for me, Mike. So just like you, you know, just like people talk with Toronto, it's been a long wait there in Toronto. It's been a long wait in Edmonton. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't Gary Bettman have a heart attack if it was Toronto and Edmonton in the Stanley Cup final? I'm better than Carolina, Seattle. <laughs> True. Thanks for your time, Mike. All right. See ya. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
And you can weigh in, 936-6262 is our text line. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. I'm Michael Ball along with my operator and sidekick Blaine Weiland. My, he's my operator B. The other operator, Sean Kleisinger, making his way back from England. He'll join us tomorrow. Got a full day here, including uh, our country cookout start. Then we've got uh, the sports cage and draft coverage live from Mosaic Stadium. So we'll be with you from 3 in terms of sports coverage all the way till about 9 o'clock. You wouldn't want it any other way in terms of uh, being a CFL and a football fan. Um, so a couple interesting hockey stories to get to. <laughs> Who knew the Ottawa Senators would be like a Hollywood North uh, Ryan Reynolds has switched groups. He's joined a different group now to try to get in on buying the Ottawa Senators. And now Snoop Dogg has joined a group wanting to buy the Ottawa Senators. Two rivals in the entertainment industry, one in acting and a Canadian, and one is a, uh, a rapper who has uh, likes hockey in the Kings, uh, Kings world there. Kings, Ducks, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, Reynolds doesn't surprise me. Um, being a Canadian hockey fan, you know, even he, even though he's Vancouver, you know, they get a chance to get a, a, an opportunity to own a hockey team. That doesn't surprise me. But Snoop Doggy Dog, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I get. I think the surprising part is the Ottawa Senator part about it. You think he might chip in with like uh, the Ducks or yeah. one of the California teams, uh, but going with the Canadian team is a little surprising to me. Well, but it's a, it's Canada. It's an interesting market and. And he gets to kind of maybe tap into a different market, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's probably going to go for a lot more dollars than a lot of those American franchises as well. Right. About a billion dollars, uh, what they're saying, close to it. Anyway. Yeah, especially with the new rink on the way as well. Yeah, well, that's still yet to be determined, but it looks like it's going to happen. Um, this is interesting, speaking of rinks. So the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Florida Panthers in round number two. Now, I'm assuming that you'd have to give your left kidney, your right eye, and probably thousands of dollars to get tickets to the Leafs uh, playoff series at home because, let's face it, they haven't been there in 20 years to the (laughs) second round. Well, the Florida Panthers are restricting ticket sales to U.S. residents only against the Leafs. I always hate that. I mean, like, you, <laughs> I love it. you know, and honestly, like, I think if maybe just put like a thing where it's like you put a delay, like give your team, your yeah. fans like a 48 hour jump or even a 24 hour jump and then bring on like, I just don't like it. How Remember they when the Coyotes and the Panthers were selling tickets like the Canadians were snapping up their season tickets? Yeah, that that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Tampa. I mean, I mean, sorry, uh, the Leafs were in Tampa. They'll keep uh their uh, playoff run through Florida. It's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. A lot of people were happy. Oh, the Bruins, the Bruins are out, but Florida's not going to be a pushover. No, no, no. They are, I was going to call them the eighth seed, but now I guess they're the wild, The you know, they're the best, one of the best wild card teams. Shouldn't have there. been a wild no, card. No, they shouldn't have been. No. It's just, it goes to show the strength of that division with those top three, but uh, yeah, and they're peaking at the right time, especially after dropping down 3-1. So who do you got uh, now? Who do you got tonight? It's the Rangers and the Devils. I, I want to say the Rangers, but the Devils are a pesky good team. I'm going with experience with the Rangers. I, I think that the, the experience will help them out. The nature's Thurkin to stand on his head. Maybe yeah. Patrick Kane brings some playoff moxie. Uh, Tarasenko. He's been playing well, Tarasenko, and Kreider's been the leader yeah. there. Yeah, I, I just like the veteran experience and the overall depth of the Rangers to pull through tonight. So let's go through the series right now without knowing the 
without knowing. So Rangers, Devils, whoever wins, will they beat Carolina? Do you think it matters? I think the Rangers could beat. I really do think the Rangers could beat Carolina. But the Devils wouldn't? No, I would take Carolina over the Devils. D- uh, Carolina's kind of nicked up, though. Leafs, Panthers, who do you got? I think the Leafs are going to win. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, But I think it's seven. Okay. Uh, Oilers, Knights. I say Knights and seven. Yeah, it's because you hate Edmonton. Well, I was, yeah, so I, I'm looking through my red and yellow goggles while you're in your orange and blue, I guess. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I wanted the Oilers to play the Knights in the first round because I thought that was a better matchup for Edmonton. They won three of four games. They got better special teams. They're getting Yanmark back on the penalty kill. I think their goaltending's better. I'll give the edge on defense to the Knights, and the Oilers have better forwards, by and large. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, with L.A., they're more of a... Um, their defensive system, especially with their forwards, more tight checking. Vegas, I think, is going to be more a little bit more wide open games. So, yeah, that could play to the Oilers' advantage with a more wide open game. Yeah. So, I could see that side of it. I think Vegas got more depth in as opposed to the Kings, so I think that will help them out. Yeah. You just want the Oilers to lose uh, so badly. I, I don't think, but you know what, though? I think that the, the tough test for the Oilers would be, well, the two rounds after that. So it wouldn't shock me that they would win. That's why I think it's going to be seven and kind of a toss situation. But even if the Oilers win in six, it, it's not a major upset. I, I, no, it won't be. I, I think it's Oilers in five. That's what everybody's like, you're crazy balls. I think it's going to be five. I think Vegas wins the first game and Edmonton sweeps the rest. Now, lastly, uh, this could be the snooze fest, Dallas and Seattle. Could see a lot of 2 one one nothing games. We could, but you know, I think Dallas could put up some points, put up some goals. You know, yeah, they got a sneaky good team, Dallas. I really like Dallas going into the playoffs, and after the first round, I like them a little bit more now that the fact that they did you have Dallas in the cup? Yeah, Dallas and Rangers, didn't you? I went with Dallas and Boston, but I said the Rangers were very. I had a good shot of taking out Boston, so now I'm putting it's Dallas and the Rangers. Coming up on the other side of the five o'clock news, uh, we are going to hear from Jeremy O'Day's media availability teeing up for the draft, along with. uh, Blaine Wyland's review of Toronto. He went to the Mariners-Jays three-game series. He caught all three. It was a pretty good uh, weekend set for him. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And you can weigh in, 936-6262 is our text line. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. I'm Michael Ball along with my operator and sidekick Blaine Weiland. My, he's my operator B. The other operator, Sean Kleisinger, making his way back from England. He'll join us tomorrow. Got a full day here, including uh, our country cookout start. Then we've got uh, the sports cage and draft coverage live from Mosaic Stadium. So we'll be with you from 3 in terms of sports coverage all the way till about 9 o'clock. You wouldn't want it any other way in terms of uh, being a CFL and a football fan. Um, So a couple interesting hockey stories to get to. (laughs) Who knew the Ottawa Senators would be like a Hollywood North uh, Ryan Reynolds has switched groups. He's joined a different group now to try to get in on buying the Ottawa Senators. And now Snoop Dogg has joined a group wanting to buy the Ottawa Senators. Two rivals in the entertainment industry, one in acting and a Canadian, and one is a, uh, a rapper who has uh, likes hockey in the Kings, uh, Kings world there. Kings, Ducks, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, Reynolds doesn't surprise me. Um, being a Canadian hockey fan, you know, even he, even though he's Vancouver, 
you know, they get a chance to get a, a, an opportunity to own a hockey team. That doesn't surprise me. But Snoop Doggy Dog, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I get. I think the surprising part is the Ottawa Senator part about it. You think he might chip in with like uh, the Ducks or yeah. one of the California teams, uh, but. Going with a Canadian team is a little surprising to me. Well, but it's a, it's Canada. It's an interesting market, and and he gets to kind of maybe tap into a different market. Yeah, right? and it's probably going to go for a lot more dollars than a lot of those American franchises as well. Especially, a billion dollars, uh, what they're saying, close to it. Anyway. Yeah, especially with the new rink on the way as well. Yeah, well, that's still yet to be determined, but it looks like it's going to happen. Um, this is interesting, speaking of rinks. So the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Florida Panthers in round number two. Now, I'm assuming that you'd have to give your left kidney, your right eye, and probably thousands of dollars to get tickets to the Leafs uh, playoff series at home because, let's face it, they haven't been there in 20 years to the (laughs) second round. Well, the Florida Panthers are restricting ticket sales to U.S. residents only against the Leafs. I always hate that. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, and honestly, like, I think if maybe just put like a thing where it's like you put a delay, like give your team, your fans, like a 48 hour jump or even a 24 hour jump and then bring on like. I just don't like it. How Remember they when the Coyotes and the Panthers were selling tickets? Like the Canadians were snapping up their season tickets. Yeah, that that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Tampa. I mean, I mean, sorry. Uh, the Leafs were in Tampa. They'll keep uh, their uh, playoff run through Florida. It's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. A lot of people were happy. Oh, the Bruins. The Bruins are out, but Florida's not going to be a pushover. No, no, no. They are. I was going to call them the eighth seed, but now I guess they're the wild. The you know they're the best. One of the best wild card teams shouldn't out have there. been a wild no, card. No, they shouldn't have been. No, it's just it goes to show the strength of that division with those top three. But uh, yeah, and they're peaking at the right time, especially after dropping down three one. So who do you got uh, now? Who do you got tonight? It's the Rangers and the Devils. I I want to say the Rangers, but the Devils are a pesky good team. I'm going with experience with the Rangers. I, I think that the, the experience will help them out. The nature's Thurkin to stand on his head. Maybe yeah. Patrick Kane brings some playoff boxy. Uh, Tarasenko. He's been playing well, Tarasenko, and Kreider's been the leader yeah. there. Yeah, I, I just like the veteran experience and the overall depth of the Rangers to pull through tonight. So let's go through the series right now without knowing the... Without knowing. So Rangers-Devils, whoever wins, will they beat Carolina? Do you think it matters? I think the Rangers could beat. I really do think the Rangers could beat Carolina. But the Devils wouldn't? No, I would take Carolina over the Devils. D- uh, Carolina's kind of nicked up, though. Leafs, Panthers, who do you got? I think the Leafs are going to win. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, But I think it's seven. Okay. Uh, Oilers, Knights. I say Knights and seven. Yeah, it's because you hate Edmonton. N- well, I was... Yeah, so I re- I'm looking through my red and yellow goggles while you're in your orange and blue. I guess. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I wanted the Oilers to play the Knights in the first round because I thought that was a better matchup for Edmonton. They won three of four games. They got better special teams. They're getting Yanmark back on the penalty kill. I think their goaltending's better. I'll give the edge on defense to the Knights, and the Oilers have better forwards by and large. Yeah, it'll be interesting because uh, you know with LA, they're more of um their defensive system, especially with their forwards, more tight checking. Vegas, I think, is going to be more a little bit more wide open games. So, yeah, that could play to the Oilers' advantage with a more wide open game. Yeah. So, I could see that side of it. I think Vegas got more depth in as opposed to the Kings, so I think that will help them out. Yeah. You just want the Oilers to lose oh, so badly. I, I, 
I don't think, but you know what though? I think that the, the tough test for the Oilers would be well, the two rounds after that. So it wouldn't shock me that they would win. That's why I think it's going to be seven and kind of a toss-in situation. But even if the Oilers win in six, it, it's not a major upset. I, I, no, it won't be. I, I think it's Oilers in five. That's what everybody's like, you're crazy balls. I think it's going to be five. I think Vegas wins the first game and Edmonton sweeps the rest. Now, lastly, uh, this could be the snooze fest, Dallas and Seattle. It could see a lot of 2 one one nothing games. We could, but you know, I think Dallas could put up some points, put up some goals. You know, yeah, they got a sneaky good team, Dallas. I really like Dallas going into the playoffs, and after I know that you first did. round, I like them a little bit more now that the fact that they did you have Dallas in the cup? Yeah, Dallas da- and Rangers, didn't you? I went with Dallas and Boston, but I said the Rangers were very. I had a good shot of taking out Boston, so now I'm putting this Dallas and the Rangers. Coming up on the other side of the five o'clock news, uh, we are going to hear from Jeremy O'Day's media availability teeing up for the draft, along with. Uh, Blaine Wyland's review of Toronto. He went to the Mariners-Jays three-game series. He caught all three. It was a pretty good uh, weekend set for him. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. Four McDougal Auctioneers get far market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. Check them out at McDougalAuctions.com. Thanks to the great gang over there for continuing their support of this segment and 620 CKRM. All right, so yeah, Craig Dickinson usually joins us here, but we've given him the day off in preparation for tomorrow's big Canadian Football League draft. Actually, the uh, global draft goes at 9, and then we've got uh, three rounds of that, then the CFL draft at night at 6. And for the first time in its entirety, anywhere on radio in Canada, I think this is a historic moment, actually, to be quite honest with you. I know they do it on TSN for two rounds on TV, and then you can get it at uh, TSN Plus or streaming somewhere um, for the rest of the rounds, but we're doing it from... The first pick to the last pick. Do we have Mr. Irrelevant? Is that what we call him in the CFL, Blaine? I, I thought we were just going to call him Mr. Brock Purdy from now on. Okay, Mr. Brock Purdy. Anyway, so uh, we are going to have that draft right here. Blaine will be in the bunker in the basement of the stadium with all the other media. He'll be filing stories and sending audio. We'll have different guests, various guests, including... Um, Riders, uh, President Jeremy o- or uh, Craig Reynolds, Jeremy O'Day will kick things off. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Make sure you're tuned in for that. And with that in mind, instead of Craig Dickinson here in this time slot, we're going to hear from the Riders GM Jeremy O'Day, who joined the media today to kind of tee up tomorrow's draft. Um, get asked it every year, and you know I don't think we're going to comment on which position is better than the other. I don't think it's uh, there's any value for me to to come out and say that. It's probably just my opinion as it is, but there's there's good players in in every position group pretty much, you know. So, um, you know, it's a lot of it is when you're doing the draft process, you're really just going through and uh, really developing your draft board and the players that you like and then um, unfortunately you can't pick all the all the ones you want and um, but you're uh, you're trying to um, Really look at the needs of your roster and and um, develop a, a game plan going into the draft that uh, helps improve your team as much as possible. A record number of Canadians were taken in the NFL draft recently. We're seeing the top end talent has really increased in Canada. Are you seeing that with all the talent throughout? Has all the talent kind of been coming up through the years? 
Um, I just I just think in general over the last you know number of years the the talent's gotten better. I think there's a lot of things that factor into that. I think that um, you know the the youth sports teams are doing a great job with the guys, and I think their um, you know strength conditioning programs are have, have improved over the last number of years. I don't want to age myself, but it's. Um, I think it's just gotten better facilities. Coaching's been better. I think the uh, the attention to the Canadian players uh, in in universities in the in the states has increased. I think that you know back in the day it was uh, you know guys would come up and and bring a couple dim- diamonds in the rough down right. Now they figured out that there's there's more diamonds than than they thought up here right. So I think the recruiting is a little bit more tense more intense for Canadian players. And so you know I think they're playing at a little bit higher level and that makes them a little bit uh, more pro ready. So I think that. You know, if you, everyone always asks, you know, how do you compare this draft with the other ones? And I think you, you know, you make a case for this being a pretty strong draft when you see five guys drafted in the NFL, right? And another uh, two guys that were signed. And then, you know, the normal mini camp guys. And in the past, there's been a lot of guys that would go to mini camp, but not as many signs. So um, overall, for Canadian players, it's, it's a good graph. But uh, for CFL teams, maybe not as, uh, not as good because you don't have uh, the ability to see those guys right away, and they're not—they uh, weren't low-round draft picks. They were—they were taken pretty, pretty high or towards the middle of the NFL draft, which usually is an indication that they're going to be there for a while. What's the process between now and tomorrow night at six? Is it last-minute yeah. uh, conversations, or do you pretty much have it locked down? No, we yeah, we're still we're, we're actually meeting right after this uh, uh, this press conference here. We go back and meet as a staff, and really. Um, you have a, uh, a plan in place before the NFL draft, and then you have a plan in place when you actually see where the guys are going. And, you know, there's other little things there for the guys that got signed in the NFL, if, you know, if they've been given upfront money, if they've – so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into finding out uh, exactly what kind of deal they got. And so that's an indication of whether they are in the plans long-term for that team or not, right? So um, the higher they get drafted in the NFL or, or the more money they get up for – up front, usually the the lower they go in our draft, right? So if they were, if they were in our draft and and uh, they weren't NFL guys, they'd be they'd be really high, and sometimes that affects their uh, their draft status in Canada, right? Because they're you may never see them, right? That's the other thing too, and it doesn't matter if it's a draft pick or an unsigned free agent. If he goes in and does well, there's a risk that you might not ever see him uh, playing playing the CFL. But you've been immersed in preparations for a while, like you have been. Now, is there an element of impatience? Let's just get to six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you're you're going back and watching the same guys for the you know I don't know how many time and you're trying to convince yourself it's a different grade than what it is and you're you know it's just a classic case of overthinking. You don't want to overthink it. Just trust what the, the grades that you put on them. But you do you do want to go back and double check them. And you know we we do that. We actually compare grades within and we get in arguments over where a guy should be drafted. And then you, everyone goes back. And then the person that had him high usually brings him down. The person that had him low brings him brings them up and so we kind of meet in the middle but um yeah and again you know everyone's draft boards across the league is probably different because they have different needs right if you're focused in on a certain area maybe your your draft board has them different ranked different than the other teams how do you weigh the combine performance even the interview the the personality test versus the film throughout the year even the last couple of years when you're evaluating your guy um, yeah, I, I, I tend to say um, we usually don't want to move a guy up too high, high from the combine. Like I, I, I think that you can get um, you know, into a situation where you're 
drafting their athletic ability over top of uh, their football ability, and it didn't show on tape, right? So that you know the tape doesn't lie, and um, you can see them playing at the U Sports level or NCAA level, and usually have a good indication of it. Um, but I think it, it definitely can move the other way if you you watch tape and you thought. You know, he's a heck of a player, and I had him graded really high, and he's going to go in this round, and then he goes to the combine, and his measurables don't really match what you'd, you'd have for a, for a professional football player, right? So I think they, they usually can go down, but it does change. I don't, I don't think it changes a great deal um, after the combine, but it, does, it definitely does change their grade, you know. And, um, and then in the, the interviews, if you've got a guy that's just super high character and, and it matches all the coaches' comments, that it could affect their grade as well too, right, because it's, it's definitely something we value. Do you have a guy in mind at three, or did certain things need to happen? Or <laughs> Yeah, you, you have to have guys in mind, right? So you have to have a number of, of guys in mind, and, and obviously you, you could look at it and say, this is the guy that I would pick number one overall if we had a chance, right? And so what we do is we'll actually – We'll go through and say who's our number one guy, and we'll have a discussion about it. And if we all agree on it, then that's that's the guy we want. And we also understand that he might be gone at number one or number two, right? So then you have to say, well, who's the second guy and who's the third guy? And we actually do that for the first couple rounds just to make sure that we're we're prepared and we don't you know get thrown too too many wrinkles. But it can change even on even on draft day. You know, it sounded good the day before, but now we're in the moment. You know, is this really the route we want to go? And um, it's kind of a, f- a fluid, it's a fluid movement, a fluid, fluid process, I would say. I don't know how much you pay attention to the articles leading up that are predicting what every team's going to do. But last week, a lot of analysts, you know, obviously saying that offensive linemen were really important for the riders to pick. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Um, I guess, I guess I, I really don't, really not concerned about uh, what the, what they say. They, they really don't know. Um, what our roster looks at, but um, you know, as far as offense alignment, I know everyone wants to talk about that. It seems like it's on a regular basis, which is fine. Um, but really, the reality is, we, you know, we're we're planning on playing with three Canadian O linemen, right? So we have two guys: the one that's been a two-year starter for us, one that's been starting for four years in our league, and we signed Peter Godber in free agency for a reason. So that's three pretty good players, and we signed Philip Blake, who's been a Third round NFL draft pick. He's been here and he's been an All Star in our league and he can play multiple positions. So he's he's in the mix with those guys as well. We have Logan Bandy that we drafted a couple years ago that played ten games for us. That's that's pretty good. Um, and then we have two guys that we drafted last year, one in the second and one in the third that are coming back to camp. So my math, if you're starting with three and you have seven, um, you know it's just a matter of if you think that you can draft someone at that spot that's going to be an improvement to the players that you have. And so that's the uh, that's the question that we always talk about when we're in the room. Is there a guy that's capable of playing and being better? Or, you know, if, if uh, you sign a guy in the first round, what does that mean for your second and third round picks from last year that you, you invested in? And, um, you know, we still have those guys that we, we did uh, draft last year. So Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, your host, joined by Blaine Weiland from our sports department. He is backing up on the board today. Sean Kleisinger is um, coming back tomorrow for all our coverage. Uh, we'll talk a little more draft in a second here. Um, 
Get a hold of us, 936-6262, the number to call locally, one 767 the out-of-town line. That 936-6262 also serves as our text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. After 5.30, we'll hear from Glenn Suter, press coverage. He was in court today with SFU. We'll see what came down with that. So, uh, Blaine, uh, let's talk. You went to the Rogers Center, Jays and the Seattle Mariners, Toronto uh, had to been carrying in a six-game win streak till their game on Sunday, and then kind of blew it. They were down four nothing, went up eight four, and choked it away, losing ten eight. Yeah, you know the bullpen. I think uh, uh, kind of blew that one. Uh, after Bassett left the game, uh, Seattle kind of came back, came back, and the Jays were down to one pitch, one strike. Uh, Jimmy Garcia had a chance to uh, put a, put the game away, and then the Mariners tied it up. And then he didn't get a call though. I thought it was was it yeah. an iffy pitch or something like that. Yeah. They were saying. Yeah, it was one of a close calls there. So it was close. I mean, all three ga- it was a really good series. All three games were entertaining, um, well attended. Yeah, over forty one thousand for e- all three games. Was it hard getting in and out of the stadium? No, not too bad. Saturday, I guess, was a little bit congested because that was uh, like about the game ended about uh, two and a half, uh, like two hours before yeah. like the Leafs game. So then there was a and I was kind how of, many Leaf jerseys in the crowd? And there weren't too many Friday and Saturday, but oh boy, there was a lot yeah, Sunday. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, the other big question I had is. Um, so you, I saw you. You went because you're a single dude, which there's some perks to that. Yep. You showed up. Uh, you you just bought tickets on the fly Sunday because you hadn't initially planned to go to the third game. Yeah. But you were sitting closer to the field. How'd you manage that? Well, like you said, like you said, being single sometimes pays off. I was sitting beside a group of three people, and there was actually a fourth one, and they had the one ticket. Uh, I was sitting in row fourteen originally, and they had one down row six, and they asked me if I just wanted to trade. If it's a big deal, I was like, oh no, that's fine. I mean, I, in that situation, I'd even probably go back a few rows just to accommodate this. The type of guy I am, but uh, I was like, yeah, no, no, no problem whatsoever. So yeah, I went down to, and that probably would have been a, you know, that I, uh, I would think like the tenth row. That's kind of when tickets go up a little bit. So it's not like I got the same rate. Like that would have cost me a few bucks more, mm-hmm. probably like ten, fifteen bucks. Nothing too major, but uh, no, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a nice upgrade. What, what, what? Speaking of upgrades, you went to it when it was the old like Sky Dome setup. What what is it like now at the refurbished uh, Rogers Center? I guess you know looking out, the outfield looks uh more activity, you know? Like yeah. there there's the people in the right field, those bench seats. Yeah. Uh, that, that sit that you got to line up and get in right early. The like uh, Friday night cuz uh Friday night was um George Springer they had a giveaway for yeah. his jerseys. So good god, I couldn't believe how packed the lineups were like at five four thirty, like George I, Springer Day, did they give out a box of band aids? He's hurt again. He <laughs> yeah. hurt his hand, and now it isn't. He got a flu or something? Or uh, something? A viral illness, I guess. So he's out. He's out for tonight. What uh, a band aid, man! Hopefully, what it's just a, a one night kind a, of thing. What a band aid! Embarrassing. He is kind of a. He gets hurt a lot. Who did you like watching? Oh, I always love Vlad. Vladdy's my guy. And and you, so you show up the game single by yourself. You didn't go with anybody, and you ran into a a high school chum, a girl, right? Yeah, girl. I went to high school with an actor. Her husband. I played baseball with um, a couple years, uh, so I knew him quite well too. And I knew in advance that they were going to be there. But yeah, that Friday night game when I was walking around the lineups, and sure enough, I ran into him. And uh, actually, it was kind of funny that. Uh, on Sunday, when we were in the concourse there and beforehand, actually, Sportsnet put us on TV. 
Oh, I didn't because we're all seeing we're all standing there in the middle. Of, I don't know when it was because I got a text during the game that's like, "Oh, look who's on TV!" kind of situation with us. Yeah, they were on TV the day before, and then that game on Sunday, I was sitting over. She was sitting her and her. She has two daughters, and uh, they were sitting um, two sections over, kind of the corner. At the end of the warm up, Vladdy tossed the ball and she got it. And I was so jealous of that. You were so mad. So yeah, mad. Yeah, I was. So <laughs> mad. Hey, uh, on the fly, doesn't matter. Call up Kurt Y60, YS65 for me, okay? That's that um, one to deal with the Calgary Flames. I do want to tell you that uh, our CFL, is, is it 65? Uh, well, well, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold we're on. We're talking Don Maloney here? 64. YS64, I believe is what it is. Don Maloney, yeah. There it is. Okay. So the big story of the day here, the Calgary Flames have fired their head coach, Daryl Sutter. He got a two-year extension after winning the Jack Adams Trophy last year's Coach of the Year, but his team circled the drain and didn't make the playoffs, much to the chagrin of my buddy here, Blaine Wyland, who's a big Flames fan. Most everybody I talk to that are Flame fans are pretty happy with this move. Daryl Sutter's out. Why was he gassed? Here's Don Maloney telling us why. I, uh, I interviewed 35 or 25 players, coaches, coaching staff, training staff. Spoke to prominent agents for um, who represent key players on our team, and uh, it became clear to me that we needed a new voice. Could you elaborate a little more? We, we've kind of heard bits and pieces of what might have been said in those interviews, and apparently some of them took over an hour long. Like, what, what did the players tell you that maybe not forced your hand, but that this was the right call? Well, it certainly didn't force our hands. I mean, everybody has their opinion. I, and again, I think it's today's player, too. You know, 10 years and 20 years ago, you they wouldn't say boo generally. But now the players of today, they, they want a voice, they have a voice, and you have to listen to that voice. Now, you don't want to make it the inmates are running the, uh, uh, the, the asylum, so to speak. But uh, um, they had some real, real uh, observations and how we should, how we need to, uh, um, how in their minds, how we should move forward. And uh, again, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but uh, it was just one piece of the. The puzzle. So they got to get a, a GM first, and then they got to get a coach. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But that must have been bad because your owner Murray Edwards is a cheap sob. His wallet creaks. Moths come out, and to eat the contract, which is like four million bucks, there must have been some big problems there. Yeah, no, I agree. That that's what surprised me the most: the fact that that two-year contract and that they they even before the GM that they they made this move. So the uh, a- athletic director, I don't even care what her name is, at SFU in court today said that the main reason the team got gassed is because they're not competitive. UVAD. Maybe we should get a new athletic director. We'll talk to Glenn Suter about that and other things. What a joke SFU is now. Like an absolute kitchen fire inside of a dumpster fire. I'd be embarrassed to be from that school, and I would never send a kid to that school again if my kid was an athlete. What an absolute embarrassment. That president and that AD should be, as Vince McMahon would say, fired. Here's your sports ticker, and just give me one second, because my computer froze. That's how we roll here on... Sometimes we do live radio and things happen. But yes, our uh, sports ticker is brought to you by our good friends at Busy Bee. 
They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage doors so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B doors. The garage door specialist. One game in the NHL tonight's game seven. Rangers at Devils. I think it's just getting underway at the Rock in the swamp. So get ready for that. First four games went to the road teams, then they alternated on home ice winning, so we'll see if the Devils can keep that trend or if the Rangers make it into a road victory here. I think six of the clinching games in the first round were won by the road teams, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's a stat I heard. Seattle clinched on the road. There was uh, a lot of road Edmund, success. Edmonton yeah. clinched on the road. Florida uh, clinched Flor- on the road. Florida clinched on the road. Toronto clinched on the road. Uh, Dallas, I Dallas clinched on the road. <laughs> a lot of road warriors. Yeah, yeah, road warriors for sure. Anyway, that is your sports ticker. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox reports on the voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. The Regina Red Sox Report is brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House, also sponsoring today's show. You can check out the new menu at the CBH, and you can also check out their fizzy lemonades. Four bold, full-flavored fizzy choices for you to enjoy. Well, Ben Kamanowski, the local product, is new to Regina as a head coach. He's coming in here from Indiana State. Of course, played with the Red Sox back in 2019, and he tells us what kind of team we can look forward to under his direction. Uh, you know what? Kind of like how I operated my team last summer, man. I just want our guys to play with a lot of energy, a lot of aggression. Uh, you know, I've always said just be the aggressors in every facet of the game, you know, on the bases, have to play it on the mounds. Um just playing loose, having fun, and being aggressive all around. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee, SFU grad, and uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your local neighborhood Western Pizza for their dine-in and takeout specials. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Uh, Suits, before we get to the business of the day and get ready for the draft tomorrow, I know you're, you got a, you got a love for hockey too, okay? Mm-hmm. Hasn't the Stanley Cup window widened for the Edmonton Oilers? No Avalanche, no Bruins. Uh, I I could almost smell a Leafs Oilers Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, it would be great, wouldn't it? Because then we would be. I, I was um, quite surprised by the stat that it's been what thirty years since a Canadian team has won it. Habs. I, I yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize it had gone that long, and. To just have a Canadian team, you know that, or two Canadian teams in this in this case, and believe me, I it, it's for me it's not a bias against the Toronto Maple Leafs as it is against sort of the uh, some some of some of, and I'll be very specific here that I know Toronto Maple Leaf fans that are kind of obnoxious to be around at times. <laughs> Most of them. But, Yes, <laughs> but I, I, you know, to to have two Canadian teams still in it, 
going into the next round is outstanding. And, you know, I mean, if you have any patriotic bones in your body, you're going to be hoping that, that at least one or maybe both can be in the final, and then we guarantee to snap that that drought of, of over 30 years since the last Canadian team. I want Gary Bittman to have a heart attack, and he will have a heart attack in the first year of an ESPN-TNT deal if the Oilers and the Leafs are uh, in the Stanley Cup. Now, Rogers Sportsnet, on the other hand, would be pretty excited because they spent a bajillion dollars to get the rights, but uh, other than that, I think uh, the NHL's got to hope that there's a, an, an American team, at least one in the Cup, and it's, it's a... Listen, uh, I can joke, hey, it's wide open. It certainly looks more attractive for Edmonton and Toronto with some of those teams out, but they still got a long way to go. Those other teams aren't going to be pushover. Speaking of patriotic suits, you are, I am, especially when it comes to our football. You attack one of us, you attack us all. The court proceedings getting going here for SFU, and if if some of these tweets are to be believed, did the AD really, in the paperwork or whatever, cite that Part of the reason for canceling this thing is because they weren't competitive? Well, not only that, but I sat in the court proceedings today between 10, o- 10 o'clock and um, and just recently, just about 3 o'clock when I left. And and right now, they are, they are not only making the argument that there's, uh, you know, that one of the reasons is that the, the team struggled on the scoreboard, but, you know, what they they neglected to to say that the SFU football team has probably about 19 scholarships where 36 are you you could have 36 as far as NCAA rules and most of the teams they compete against do have 36 scholarship athletes and SFU can only or only will pay or only willing to pay for you know around half that so you know that uh, forget about the reasons there's there's the win loss record has nothing to do with the experience that we're fighting for for these kids and you know when you think about the other argument that was made today or at least attempted to be made by the SFU representation was that there is a direct correlation between injuries and winning and losing and that uh, you know and I'm and I'm paraphrasing here I'm not quoting them but it's they were trying to in some cases and this is from you know a layman listening i'm not a lawyer but that they were it felt to me that they were trying to make the argument that because they have lost so many games there is more injuries and therefore this is an issue about protecting student athletes which is just not true i mean i the the it felt like to me the the representation for SFU just did not understand the recruiting and how that happens in football. They didn't have a real clear understanding about the game itself, about the injuries, about the, um, you know, that there is no correlation between winning and losing and injuries. You could be a championship team and have a whole bunch of injuries and get bad luck that year. Glenn, does, does SFU have a, do they have a PR person or a communication person? Like, you know, when you heard the old saying, if you're digging a hole, sometimes stop shoveling. Like, just stop. <laughs> you keep you keep making it worse. Like, every time I think it's done, it gets worse. Like, this is an institution of higher learning. SFU has been known as one of the, to produce some of the smartest people in the country across North America, okay? Um, yeah. It looks like a rinky-dink, 
stupid institution right now. Like, dumb. Like, dumb. Well, you know, I mean, if if we can get and win this injunction, which which will be ruled upon in the next couple of days, because that was another strategy, by the way, of the SFU representation was to try and get into case studies and, and court lingo that and, and legal terminology that just dragged on and on and on with no real reason for what they were doing to these athletes and the position that they were putting them in. So, you know, I, part of their strategy is to drag it out as long as they can. I mean, the courtroom was full of kids and their families. You know, some of those kids have a single mom who, you know, tried to sell everything so that their kid could go to school and they depend on a scholarship to get a higher education. And you know all the stories, Michael. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this, isn't, this isn't a whole bunch of, you know, really rich, entitled kids that are going to school. They go to school because they, have, they can get a scholarship through sports. And if they didn't get that scholarship, they wouldn't be able to go to post-secondary ed- education. So, uh, you know, you're right. It, it's, I, I couldn't right now, in good conscience, say to a kid coming out of high school, um, I recommend SFU. I couldn't okay. do that right now. And that's where, and that's where I'd like to ask you this as an alumni guy. Like you guys, the Pasaglias, the Browns, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. You've stepped forward and you've, you've, you, you in in one form or fashion raise your opposition to this but going forward suppose the injunction goes your way and there will be a season okay mm-hmm. uh what kind of like is that where the alumni comes up and and is a support system because let's be honest the school if they lose they're going to reluctantly continue football and there won't be a lot of help at that end i think it's just hey we're giving you a place to play you're going to use our name but that's about it that's how i feel from the outside so it would be up to the suitors and the browns and those kind of guys the lalgies to step forward and make sure there's some sort of support system for these kids that's what i'd want as a parent hey my kid's gonna play now but what kind of what kind of atmosphere is there yeah yeah well okay so there that's a great question and you're right and it's it's going to be much further and more involved than just this court injunction no matter which way it goes but let's say we do hypothetically we do uh win this judgment and reinstate the program that's stage one stage two is to make sure there is transparency in funding to make sure that the program is supported the way it's supposed to be supported and uh, that all these athletes are taken care of just like they would be if they were in the kinesiology program or if they were in a basketball program or wrestling or whatever it may be and yeah so there there is a whole stage two that that comes after this injunction no matter which way it goes to make sure that these athletes are taken care of and the football program will be funded correctly and properly as per the agreement that they should have so, you know, it's it's just one stage. But this, this again, and this is time for another conversation and another time, Michael, but it is an indication to me, too, about the bigger picture, which is if we continue to, even in small ways, devalue this game that we love so much and this sport and the opportunity that gives so many kids, if, if even stakeholders... You know, by mistake or, you know, just just do it without even realizing it, that they devalue the sport, then along comes someone who doesn't care about it and they think that we don't care. 
Now, the SFU administration has found that that's not true. Across this country, the support has been unbelievable. But we, we ha- there's a bigger picture down the road here to look at, too, that we all collaborate and stop worrying about our own division, our own league, our own team, and we start looking about the game of it in, in its entirety. Yeah. Top to bottom, flag football all the way to pro football, and start to be consistent in our measure in our messaging and and that's the bigger picture down the road yes and that is why it leads me perfectly into this you'll be a part of it tomorrow too our first ever i i, I want to say i i haven't i don't I'm, I'm sure you haven't heard we've never had a radio station cover the cfl draft from the start to the end TSN, you guys are going to be doing it on TV for a couple of rounds, and then TSN Plus, which is great. But we are doing it from the start till the end uh, because you gotta, you know, before you build the house, you gotta lay the pavement. You gotta put the, you gotta mix the cement and make the foundation. That's what we're kind of doing here. Uh, it's a great night for a lot of these young kids, man. Local guys, we got some Huskies, some Rams. Um, very interesting. And like we've talked about before, this draft can immediately, unlike other drafts, can immediately impact teams like right away. Yeah, absolutely. And and not to mention, um, there'll be, you know, despite what you've heard or, or how th- this type of thing has been reported, the Canadian draft versus the NFL draft, things like that. Um, I'll give you a quick example. When I, when I heard I was drafted to Saskatchewan, I was with my family and, and a bunch of my good buddy friends that I played amateur football with, high school football with. And I heard on the radio, and it was an emotional just outpouring the moment that I heard my name. And it wasn't a live draft show like you're doing, Michael. It was a, it was a news update where Glenn Suter from North Vancouver had been drafted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it, the emotion was just unbelievable. The excitement in the room to be part of the legacy of, of Ron Lancaster. And that's what we got to remember with this draft. My point to this story is there's kids going to be waiting for their name to be called, and they're going to be tuning into your show because you're going to do every, every round. We're going to do top to bottom. I, I'm l- looking forward to contributing to that. And there's going to be kids listening in going, when's my name going to be called? And the moment it is, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a life changing moment for them. So, and, and I'm not talking about multimillionaires who cares about that. I don't care about the money. I'm talking about guys that are living out their dream to play pro football and get a chance to go out and try out. And it's going to be emotional for these families. So I can't wait to be part of that show, man. Yeah, it's going to be a great time, man. I can't wait to. We're going to let you go. It's been a busy, long day for you, but we'll, uh, we'll hook up with you tomorrow. You'll join us on the draft. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, thanks, Suits. We'll talk soon. That is Glenn Suter, press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. All right, we'll be back to wrap the show up in a moment. Myself and Blaine Wyland. it's the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Had a great show today. Um, if you missed any of it, you can catch it in podcast form later when our buddy Blaine Wyland puts it up. Jeremy O'Day addressing the media ahead of tomorrow's draft. Uh, Glenn Suter just on talking about the SFU situation. And we had Lauren Goldenberg, uh, was a trainer with uh, 
for Gary Roberts, worked with Gary Roberts, worked with Ben Roethlisberger's last four years. He's an Ottawa native living in Pittsburgh right now. He listens to the show faithfully, loves our CFL coverage. John Keene of the Kamloops Blazers, their radio voice, joined us. Jim Barker, the outgoing uh, executive with the Argos, now back at the TSN panel, breaking down the draft force. Mike Kelly, the NHL Network, lots going on in the NHL. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, speaking of that, the Rangers take on the Devils. I thought it started at 5.30 our time. It actually starts at 6 because it's the only game on the slate, so it gets all the attention. Series tied at 3 apiece. Uh, Calgary Flames fire their coach, Daryl Sutter. Now, apparently, uh, Don Maloney, the president of uh, hockey operations, they're going to hire a GM and they'll pick the head coach together, he and the new GM. Probably be Craig Conroy, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, um, as the GM. Um, you look at it and obviously he said he, he interviewed like 25 players and agents or a combination of both and it was not uh, real good things to say about Daryl Sutter, so where there's smoke, there's fire and they probably had to make the move. But Maybe it's just the fact where that type of coaching style doesn't work very much anymore. Rick Bonus is, I don't know about the character of the two guys. Like, were they bullies behind the scene? I don't know. But a Rick Bonus is staying in Winnipeg. Maybe they didn't want to eat a salary, even though they got the richest owner in the league. Uh, but your cheap owner, Murray Edwards, did eat the salary. So that should tell you right there, there is a problem. But Daryl Sutter. I'm an Oilers fan, and even I know the Stanley Cup was won by the Flames in 2004 and that goal by, against Tampa that wasn't a goal, because I don't even know if they had video review. They didn't review it. No. They didn't review they it. They okay, didn't so, review so, it. So, 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 so he got them on a run there again with a lunch bucket team. Yep. Um, he was a good coach in Chicago. Yep. He was probably the second best coach San Jose ever had behind Todd McClellan, who yep. got them to the Stanley yep. Cup. Yep. And... He got the LA Kings to two Stanley Cups and won them both. And he got the Flames to play way above their skis last year. Won the coach of the year. So it's not like he's stupid. Like he's a good coach. Yeah. It just, maybe that style doesn't work for those kind of players. Yeah. He's those type of coaches that they're good for two years, but it just seems like the message kind of wears off after a couple years. You can't yell at players and do what you used to do anymore because it's a new generation. They don't like that. Back when I played football or guys played hockey, you're reaching 40. You were told to do it and you did it and you didn't ask why. Now you, now you got to explain to the kids and the athletes why, and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes I think these athletes are soft as puppy poo. So like take Huberto, for example, don't know the guy. See, Seems like a decent man. He's a good hockey player. He had a great season last year with Florida. Got his ass fired, basically. He got traded to Calgary, and he pouted. And then you take that pouting with a hard-nosed coach, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I mean, his last season in Florida, he set an all-time record for left-wingers for assists in a single season. And then, yeah, he got traded to Calgary. And, uh, yeah, it was just everything. I think uh, that relationship did not... It never... I don't think there was ever a good uh, patch with that relationship between Huberdeau and Sutter at all this year. So Bichette hit another home run. The Blue Jays lead the Red Sox 3-2 right now in the bottom of the second. You're a Vladdy guy, but what was it like? Bichette's kind of playing real well right now. Yeah, he he hit a homer, and uh, yeah, he's looking good right now, and uh, that whole team is looking good, I think. I mean... The AL East is going to be tough. Like uh, it's uh, it's going to be a dogfight till till the end of How September. About the Rays, though, they continue to win. They continue to play well. The Rays, yeah, the Rays, and I mean, you're always going to have the Yankees. 
And I think the Orioles are. I think the Orioles are for real. I, I really believe well, they were good last year. Yeah, I mean, I I would be. I'm I'm going to be shocked if the AL wild card game is not two American League East teams facing off, like a Toronto Baltimore or something. Yeah, I mean Seattle's going to be. Well, I should say Seattle or Houston's going to be in the mix in the West. I think as well. Houston um, started slow, but they'll be back. I mean, I think... Oh, Texas won't be as good as they are. The athletics have been mathematically eliminated. They're <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're done. How like, embarrassing is that? I've seen one team... The only thing alive in that stadium is the possum in the visiting TV booth. <laughs> yeah. Did they kill that thing yet? Uh, they've always had issues with that stadium with um, wildlife. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a dump. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're done. They're absolutely done. Yeah, it, it's kind of frustrating for them, especially with the news. Hey, well, that, we got to. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying with the news that are heading to Vegas, too. I'll yeah, I wonder if they it. take the possum with them. <laughs> uh, let's look at this for a second here. I just want to check this out. Let's go through this here. So we've already scratched. We've already scratched um, the A's out. Okay. A's are done. Yeah. Okay. Um, Royals are done. Yeah. Scratch the Royals out. Royals are done. And the White Sox. 8 and 21 Royals. What a mess they are. Yeah, they're done. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad when the Tigers are better than you. Uh, athletics are done. So that's pretty well it for the American League. Like every team in the AL East is very competitive. Yep. Okay. They're all above 500. Yep. The Twins are pretty good. Yep. And then everybody else, Guardians and Tigers are still hanging around it a bit. Rangers are off to a great start. They'll fall off. I think the Astros will win that division. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I I think Seattle will kind of turn it around too. And I don't know why, but the LA Angels is always that team I think will be decent, you know, contend for a wild card spot. Anytime you got Otani and Trout, but they always disappoint to me. Rockies are done. Rockies are done. They're they're nine and twenty. They're done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so, the Cardinals are yeah. ten and nineteen. Worst start since like nineteen seventy or like in yeah. The, the 70s. Pirates are twenty and yeah. nine. <laughs> That's crazy. The, and then the and then the NL West is like I I'm not buying the Diamondbacks even though they're sixteen and thirteen. Yeah. It'll be between the Dodgers and Padres, and I still think San Diego will finish figure it out. Yeah, I they think. had two. They had two games where I'm looking at the score on the weekend in Mexico. They're losing four nothing, and they're losing like uh, eight five, and they won both games against the Giants. So they're figuring it out. I think it's going to come down to injuries between those two teams. I think whichever team stays healthy is going to win the NOS. I'm still sticking with the Blue Jays and Padres in the World Series. That hasn't changed for me. I picked that in February. I feel I I, I said Braves in the NL, and I kind of feel like that too. So I'll, I'll say. Blue Jays and Braves right now. Okay, Braves are 19 and 10. Mets aren't quite as good, but they had some injuries, too. Injuries are always a key. Well, that's going to do it for this show. Tomorrow, we'll be live on location, Sports Cage from Mosaic Stadium, and then the draft show from 6 until 9. Make sure you tune in. For my buddy Blaine Weiland, who will be front and center with uh, coverage tomorrow, I'm Michael Ball. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, May 1st, 1920. Legendary slugger Babe Ruth records his first home run for the New York Yankees in a 6 to nothing win over his former club, the Boston Red Sox. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.